Yeah. Ain't no make believe. Are we recording? Not what I, I know. Stop Isn't that a good way to I usher no, in the beginning I of the new no, year? Actually, our I'm last a, guest was like, "I really I'm hate a, it when uh, <laughs> when podcasts open like that." Do you remember that? Yeah. And I said, Griffin "Good thing we do that, that with like every seventy percent." Oh, a cold and open. Then he, is great. And then he changed it as like, uh, "I meant when the guest says that." Yeah. Oh. Like, okay. Very slick. I mean, oh. the guest did say specifically. Specifically, the are we recording yet or cold opens in general? The are we recording yet? Because I'm going to say cold opens for podcasts. Love them. Got like okay, this pretty one. good. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm-mm-mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. Thank you very much for listening to Try Love, a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we saw at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can follow them on Twitter at Trilon Cinema. My name is Jason. You can follow me on... Got so close. So close. On Twitter at Nintendoofus. I'm Cody. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I'm Harry. You can follow me at Shiitake Harry. And today we have a very special Fuck guest off. joining us. <laughs> Fuck off. I am in Chicago for a little bit. I come back and I'm treated like a pariah. No, uh, uh, my name is Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at uh, RBPlease. Uh, you just guessed the number of A's in that one in a row. It might be one, it might be two. Who knows? We're also guessing yeah. whether or not please is spelled out. Yeah, yes. Okay. Just type in a, a red rose emoji. So your gambit, your gambit here is that they're going to want to follow you so bad that they're going to want to take the time to guess I, it. I need to like find that. this guy. I just need to track him down. <laughs> he likes Good Morning so much. Yeah, there's like a there's like a police officer in a station like the podcast killer. We only have one thing to go on. <laughs> if there's not a podcast killer already, they're, they're running one of those like programs to randomize ads. He's, and they're like, it's Arby, please. We have to figure out. They've how been running ways. around killing random young white men for years. <laughs> I'm now. really I'm really excited about that David Fincher movie in like 2030, the podcast killer. <laughs> Disgusting. You uh, had all the clues, but there were only 13 listeners per episode. <laughs> Today, we are proud to present the Trilove Golden Berries. <laughs> a series of awards that we're awarding to uh, various movies that we saw at the Trilon, various things that we learned, and a series as well um, that the Trilon puts on, of course, yeah. seasonal series. Uh, starting with uh, our first, uh, well, I guess uh, the whole year in review, right? 2019. Not just the episodes we've recorded on, not just as long as we've been doing this. So we started in January of 2019. Um, yep. This is coming out on New Year's Eve. Uh, Happy New Year to you all. Um, Feliz Navidad. <laughs> Feliz Navidad. I left that on, on Cody's Facebook page bad. like two years ago for your birthday. It's still funny. It still is very funny. Um, should we kick right into the uh, right into the awards? Yeah. What do we think of the trial? We're going to do year? the year in review. <laughs> Let's do the trial. Are we going to do the year in review? Jesus we're doing the year. In review. Yeah, we talked about. Harry, what do you think of this year so far, the trial on? It was a great year. Dynamite year. <laughs> great year, everybody. Hey, good good job, everybody. This. We did Maybe great. We spent literally no, please, five hours please, framing please. this. We, uh, we have sort of thought about cumulatively how the Trilon 
changed how we like think about seeing movies and changed the conversation around some movies that we had already seen before. Uh, Harry was mentioning how big a shithead he was about movies in January of this year compared to later this That's year. That's pretty much all I talk about is what a shithead I am. <laughs> uh, but just larger overarching themes or things that we've recognized have changed about our opinions or how we view the Trilon or how we view um, like Minneapolis film scene in general. So, uh, not only as a result of um, going to the Trilon as often as we did, but also specifically about doing this podcast, right? Yes. And I think that changed a lot about the way maybe all of us see movies, but certainly the way I see movies. Definitely me. Uh, I, not to go off on my own tangent, but I have found a lot of ways that my, like, just while I'm watching a movie, I'll be thinking about how to bring it up during a conversation, which I don't think ruins the experience of watching a movie for me, but it really, like, uh, prepares me for like thinking about it critically. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, ta- talking about movies with my friends, you, you all. I didn't say oh, my and friends. Aaron. Uh, and Aaron, <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. A special, special guest, Aaron Goldsman, uh, has like really helped me hone in on. It is hone. No, it's home. Hone. It's home. It's Are not hone. Is hone like it, yeah, honey, thing. Yeah, hone, I hone remember Joe skills. Juba. Shout out to Joe Juba was like a real stickler about that. Uh, but it, it it's helped me really home in on my um, critical sensibilities and like defining myself um, for lack of a better term, I guess, in opposition to or like um, in contrast to other people's sensibilities. As I get to know your sensibilities better, has helped me understand what I look for in a movie a lot better. Um, and and has really helped me understand why I like something and why I don't like something and what I go to a thing looking for uh, in a way that I, I don't think I had ever defined that clearly despite being uh, ostensibly a person who once semi-professionally was a critic. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a really enriching experience for me, and I hope it continues to be, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, so I guess I recommend making a podcast. To anybody who's looking for something like that, to see movies at a local theater. I mean, if, I if yeah, you're I mean, if you're white and a dude and listening to this, you already have a podcast. <laughs> so I, I'm preaching to the choir. Uh, I concur. I'm just going to go next because it's a good launching point. Um, that uh, talking about movies with friends is the reason this podcast started, uh, and it has like I can't imagine a world in which I think a way about, uh, about movies, specifically movies that play at the trial line in repertory cinema format. Um, that I where like I hadn't previously had conversations about Stray Dog that made me think about Stray Dog the way I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like five years ago, if I watched that film and just like sat with it, I don't think I would have gotten as much out of it. Um, I really value the opportunity to come in here with y'all and uh, talk about movies, um, and have been doing it for almost a year now. Uh, I'm going to do something other than just circle jerk this podcast. Uh, I'm going to circle jerk the trial on as a cinema. Jerk. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I, it's kind of weird to think about. Um, I was uh, I was talking to we had an episode with. Uh, uh, film programmer John Moret, and uh, I was talking to him after that, and he said that even kids ass, off mic, what? Um, even you know cities that are bigger, maybe have a, a larger like uh, you know artistic like cultural scene, may not have a theater like the Trilon, right? Um, and it just got me looking looking back at the movies that I had seen at the Trilon. Um, I think that uh, you know just having the opportunity to be in a place like Minneapolis be living in just like a you know just like an apartment 
um, kind of just off Lake Street a little bit and having the opportunity to be able to walk to a theater that's playing um, some of the best movies ever made, right? Like, I think everybody has, you know, a theater that's maybe they can drive to. Not uh, like this, that, though. That plays, yeah, it may play 2001 or Lawrence of Arabia, you know, once a month, and it's like a, all the kind of older people come out and you they mean the watch Parkway. it. <laughs> I wasn't going to call names. I like the Parkway, but uh, Parkway's good. It's fine. Yeah, yeah but it's, everybody has those Ain't opportunities no where it's like, oh, this movie's coming back to the big screen for one final run, right? But not everybody has a theater that they can go to and see. Um, you know, fucking Redbeard, right? Like, you could see Seven Samurai, probably, but can mm-hmm. you see Redbeard? Not on 35. See, not on 35. We had the opportunity this year to see Alien on a big screen, which they just, just this year, Disney bought up all the rights for that shit, and they've announced that they're not, like, not doing any sort Disney of vault, repertory showings for it, right? Like, that may have been, been the last time that I get to see Alien Shout outs, on by the way, screen. side note, to uh, Disney being... Almost exactly an analog for the Wayland Yutani groom. <laughs> so that's sort of weirdly appropriate. Meta. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just it's just interesting that in in you know in place of this this larger cultural discussion around theaters and movies and what the film going experience means as streaming gets more popular as film rights become uh, more strict and condensed into the hands of a few corporations. I think it's great that there are uh, maybe not many but at least a few cultural. Uh, areas like the Trilon and that I live close it's, to one. It's true. Um, I think it's also owing hugely to the people who run the Trilon and just their foresight in planning. The fact that they have series built around these movies and the fact that they package them so efficiently and effectively, um, that's a huge part of what I think makes the Trilon successful is that they don't just like say, we're playing Redbeard now. It's We're playing a whole series of like seven films all tied together by this one theme, this director and this actor. Yeah, that John like so thoughtfully puts together right, and spends exactly. so much time working on and so much time securing the rights to. Yeah, where, not to trash the Parkway again, <laughs> as I'm wont to do, but... The, the Parkway's great. We shouldn't... The, par- the Parkway's fine. The Parkway's fine. But they... It feels like when it's they announce... Focus. When you're going to see Willow there, it's like, oh, in three weeks they're playing Willow. That's it. Like, it's just a movie to be played... To be seen, fine. But with the trial on, it's always like somebody put great thought into the next two months of this whole program. It's like schedule. a community college class that they're just doing over the next two weeks. You know what I mean? Every time they have every a, time, every time, and they John have does a, that over yeah. and over every again. time. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, I should say we should actually shout out um, Barry Krishka is the director of the trial on uh, Nikki. Weissfenning, is that how you pronounce her last name? I'm sorry if I yeah, got that wrong. Right. She's the cinema ma- manager. John Moret is the programmer. We talked to him on the podcast. Uh, the board of directors is Barry Krishka, uh, Brandon Wells, Mark Sherman, uh, Michelle Brody, uh, Nicole Pamela, uh, Nikki Weissfenning, and uh, Tom Letness. Um, there are also a lot of volunteers who volunteer their time freely to uh, helping run the Trilon. Um, they clean up. They um, run the front desk. Uh, thank you very, very much to all of those people who make the Trilon possible. I'm kind of mad that uh, Aaron stole my thunder. We were going to do a whole thing where we were all going to talk about mm-hmm. this podcast, and then we were going to talk about the Trilon. Uh, Aaron kind of jumped on that. That's fine, I guess. Uh, the Trilon is a- amazing and ridiculous and like nothing else in maybe the country, um, and we're all extremely lucky to be uh, to be able to access it. You really think that's nuts that we like talk to those people? Yeah. And that we're interacting with those people? Do you think they'll sign my movie posters? I would love to no. get Barry no, and John and Nikki to sign my movie Stop. poster. <laughs> Which poster? 
Uh, I have a bunch of Trilon posters. <laughs> uh, Cody. Oh, yeah. Um, everybody heard really nice things to say, and I echo <laughs> all those sentiments. Uh, peeling back the curtain. Uh, Harry is dropping things. Doing um, what? Constantly, actually. Peeling back the curtain. You said last episode that you liked that. I do. But I like parting the kimono better. Can I, we can we settle on peeling the kimono? I <laughs> kind of like really that Hannibal episode where the skin does that <laughs> thing. <laughs> you remember yep, that thing? Yep, yeah. yep, yep, Is that yep. a video game? Um, <laughs> the only other thing I'll say, and I've <clears throat> said this uh, a lot of times off mic, uh, probably the first time on the mic. Uh, I also like that I've gotten the opportunity to uh, do this endeavor with friends of mine. Uh, it has scratched uh, a certain itch that I've had ever since graduating from college where one of the things I studied was film. Um, and while at the be, uh, the beginning of my part in this, uh, which was uh, roughly the beginning of this year, uh, it did scratch that itch, and we were talking uh, about a lot of movies that i already seen. Um, I got to be, as the year went, on a similar level of excitement, you know, seeing and talking about a movie like Fargo as I would be talking about, uh, like, an Ernst Lubitsch movie, uh, which we all, you know, like, none of us had seen that, and now we're all getting together and talking about it. Um, and so I, I guess what I'm saying is that it's still scratching uh, a bunch of different itches, um, and I hope it continues to do that. Um, I feel like I have the opportunity to become, like, a different, improved, better person when I go and experience new art. Um, so that's... Thanks, Trilon. Yeah, for both the, the Trilon and each other, right? Like, I've learned so much from all of you from making this podcast. This is getting really sentimental now. Uh, but that's, I guess, kind of what yeah, it's Yeah, Harry, stop being so fucking really sad. Uh, that's what the, the golden Jesus berries are all Christ. about. You get a little ironic, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should get kind of ironic. Yeah. Uh, good idea. <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton, uh, best actor at the Trilon in 2019. <laughs> Wait, you're getting more sentimental. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Yeah. What were you going to say? I interrupted you as I want to do. I think that's a good wrap-up for this year at the Trilon. Yeah. Is there anything else about it? Uh, I had a whole list of the, the movies that played. Um, maybe we'll just put those up somewhere. They're on the Trilon's website. Um, sure. Kind of. They kind of fall apart uh, yeah, the at, site as the year managed. goes on. Um, we'll circle back to a handful fast. of them as we go through these yeah. awards as well. Uh, the ones that The series that probably meant the most to us will pop up like yeah. time and time yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, so should we lead into our first category? Let's do it. What is that category? Our first category is... This is at the 2019 Golden Berries. <laughs> the first annual Golden Berries. No one liked Tri-Lovies. No one liked tri I liked tri I did, too. That's fine. What is Ben Barry going to hear about sure. Golden Berries? If he doesn't like it, we can change it. Sorry, Barry. <laughs> I'll go in and edit every instance. Shout out to Barry. The Berries to the Tri-Lovies. <laughs> Queen of the Trilon. No, we're doing favorite films first. We talk Are we? About that. Yes. We God damn it. Favorite before. films first, then. God we're doing it live. Fuck it, we'll do it live. So what, Aaron, were yeah. your favorite movies played of the Trilon? This is this should be distinct from Best Picture in that it's... Correct. It is just your favorite movies that played of the Trilon that you saw, regardless of whether or not we recorded on them, regardless yeah. of whether or not we All had... All these viewers talking about uh, movies that we love that we didn't record episodes on, uh, maybe we'll improve movies. on that in the yeah. coming year. Um, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that was the other thing I was going to talk about. Hopefully oh. we will, because like that was the other big thing that I learned, is that I appreciate movies a lot more post this podcast than I did. I remember like distinctly... Uh, they played Rashomon on 35mm back in January of this year, and I didn't go because I was tired and I had seen Rashomon before, which <laughs> I wish I could go back in time and absolutely kick my ass been a great <laughs> for being such a fucking idiot. I think that everyone's That would have been a too, great category. Yeah. Like, 
the uh, yeah. Great White Buffalo. Yeah, we should uh, <laughs> maybe refer to that. Um, yeah, so this is, uh, we each have uh, five films that were our favorite movies seen at the trial, and we're going to talk about uh, kind of the overall best later. But uh, just in terms of what I uh, really appreciated from this year, um, from the, the Coen Brothers, uh, uh, I guess, series that they did, um, I really liked uh, watching The Man Who Wasn't There. Again, I don't think it was necessarily the best, uh, I mean... You know, Serious Man played, uh, Fargo played not at the Trilon, but it was in that kind of overall series, um, some other Coen Brothers films. But The Man Who Wasn't There was, um, uh, I, I think I really appreciated this watch, I'll say, uh, and kind of took a lot from it. Uh, I also really loved watching Blue Velvet, uh, another movie that I had seen before, but uh, that's one of uh, my favorite Lynch films, uh, and seeing that on the big screen uh, was a, an experience for sure. Um, Good Morning, uh, which was the first film uh, at the uh, Trilon's uh, 10th anniversary, uh, kind of the overnight, they played five films. That opened uh, the five films, and what a good fucking opener for five movies. Um, I think I think everybody kind of cheered when the, the yeah. title screen came up. It was like, oh shit, these are going to be good movies. It's also uh, on 35, which is wild. 35, what a beautiful print of that yeah. movie. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, uh, and then Stage Fright. Uh, Hitchcock classic, uh, except not regarded as a classic of his, regarded as maybe one of his more middling movies. Uh, that movie uh, absolutely blew me away, and Hitchcock uh, like got me in a way that Hitchcock movies are supposed to, but I thought I was jaded, and I thought it wouldn't work on me, and then the twist at the end and got me. he hitched you. Yeah, he, he hitched me, and it was like, okay, I'll he cocked you. give you five stars on Letterboxd for that. Um, and then uh, my personal kind of favorite movie of the year, not necessarily the best movie uh, that I saw, but my favorite was Red Beard. Uh, just, this uh, is Akira Kurosawa's 1965. Kurosawa film, uh, Red Beard. Uh, you know, again, we watched Seven Samurai. We watched, not this year, but just before the, the end of 2018, we watched Yojimbo. Those are maybe better movies, but uh, I really connected with Red Beard, and uh, it was in a great experience to watch it. So uh, it's a good episode too. We argue a lot and end up yeah. talking about Noam Chomsky. I think. Yeah, we actually started fist fighting after the recording of that one. Well, that's he most got episodes. Me really to good. be fair, I got him really good. Yeah. <laughs> but now you're slightly buff, guy, so that the right. power difference go is again? being we'll established. I Harry, uh, yeah, you didn't rank your movies. Though, though that is the ranking. That's a rough ranking. Yeah, that's uh, a rough ranking. Okay, um, I guess. Uh, I like I hate making lists is very difficult for me because I uh overthink them. Surprise. Good thing it's our podcast. You um, can do whatever you want. But uh so I, I tried to I, I tried to give myself some parameters, um, which I kinda broke. I tried to uh um advantage thirty five millimeter because I prefer seeing movies in thirty five um over DCP. I think that's kind of the idea of the trilon. Uh, so, um, <laughs> but there are still two DCPs on this list. Uh, I also tried to do things I hadn't ever seen before, um, and uh, there's a there's a split one. So my number five was um, Good Morning. Also, um, is it Yasuhiro Ozu? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I couldn't remember if it was Yasujiro or Yasuhiro. Uh, I think it's Yasuhiro. I also never see that first name printed. I, it's, yeah, it's I, just I, always Ozu. Ozu yes. Yeah, he's the most, like, arguably, except for maybe Kurosawa, one yeah. of the most famous historical Japanese directors. Yeah, there's other direct, uh, maybe there's other Ozus, but there's other Kurosawas, so I always yeah. see the Akira up at the front, yeah. but yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, Ozu's Good Morning, um, which is absolutely delightful. Um, we saw it again in 35. It was like, it was like right um, 
like you said, at the start of that um, 10-year anniversary at the Trilon, and I was, like, so ecstatic to be there and to be able to watch these movies, and it was, like, it was the perfect, like, jumping-off point. Um, my number four is a tie, <laughs> sorry, Jason, between uh, Stray Dog on 35 and Seven Samurai on 35. Um, I I really, really highly valued my experience watching both of those movies. Um like like we had talked about, I think we're maybe going to talk about this later, but uh, the idea that we got to see Seven Samurai on 35mm at a movie theater is, like, ridiculous in a way that it's difficult to contextualize. It's one of those things that makes you feel superior to everybody else who likes <laughs> movies. Like, have you seen Seven Samurai on 35mm? I, I mean, like, it, it's it's tough, right, to, to even, like, really, um, because it doesn't really hit you right away. It didn't hit me at the time how special that was and how special the trial yeah. was by extension. But... Uh, there are a finite number of Seven Samurai prints on film left in existence. Uh, they're priceless, right? Like, and one of them made its way to Minneapolis, yeah, fucking Minnesota. And then, and then somebody like projected it, and we got to watch it. Uh, like that's something that that should and could happen in a museum, <laughs> to borrow from <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones. But like, uh, and it, it happened for us, and we got to be there. Um, I wasn't at this showing, but they served onigiri uh, rice balls at one of those showings, which is also amazing. Mm. Uh, the trial is the best, I guess. Did those come um, from Ramen Kazama? I did. Uh, Ramen Kazama actually sponsored the whole event, so nice. I think they had a heart, had a hand in bringing that print here as well. They also had a heart in bringing that movie. Yeah, they also did the Human Condition last year, That's which right. is another one that uh, I didn't go to and. Hours, and yeah. Wish I could kick my ass to go back to. Uh, my number three is Love and Anarchy, uh, which was on DCP. Um, but I, especially in the year 2019, had a really meaningful experience watching. Uh, it's heartbreaking. Um, I think everybody should watch it. Um, it's great. Uh, my number two is 30, uh, Cure on 35. I think that we're going to talk about Cure a lot, <laughs> so I won't talk about it right now. But uh, watching that, especially on 35, was um, tremendous. Um, I guess I can compare it to Mabarossi, um, which was um, Hirokazu Koreeda's movie that I saw last year that I didn't know anything about similarly to Cure and became one of my favorite movies of all time similarly to Cure. Uh, and then my number one was Before Sunrise, which I saw at um, the Trilon Up All Night event. It was a movie I'd known about before, but I had never seen, and it was absolutely profound for me uh, in a way that a few movies are, and I was so grateful to have seen it at the Trilon. That's all I got. Nice. <laughs> All right. It's my turn now. You got your ass, dude. <laughs> so uh, everybody's got different uh, criteria or uh, criterion. Um, <sighs> everybody's got different shoes or different shoe. What the fuck does that mean? Criterion is singular. Criteria is plural. I know. That's... Oh, that was the joke. I wanted, oh, yeah, so the Criterion correct. Collection is a it's a it's a single. It's a collection of a single thing. Cody, anyways, what were your top uh, five films at the Trilon this so, year? So, um, again, just you know, everybody's had their di- the disclaimers. Mine uh, is that this uh, my list is roughly in the order that I thought of them, um, weighing uh, how much I like the movie. Um, some of these I'd seen before, um, but. Um, you know, the heart wants what it wants. Um, I also really tried to prioritize the uh, experience of seeing it at the Trilon um, in the environment, you know, with the, the audience, with the, you know, the people here and other friends that I may have seen the movie with, um, and then also the experience of recording the episode. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, the first one uh, on my list that I thought of was Alien. Um, we did see it in DCP. Um, I've seen Alien Many times before, uh, including once at the Parkway before coming to uh, 
Trilon, uh, seeing it at the Trilon, then talking about Alien afterwards uh, with these people was uh, amazing, and I love that movie a lot more as a result of that experience. Uh, the second movie uh, on my list is Cure, uh, which I also will not go uh, too much into because... <laughs> I will not elaborate. Yeah, I, I will. <laughs> We're going to talk questions. about that one, probably. Uh, <laughs> I, I will reiterate, uh, really fantastic print. We You're seeing yeah. it on 35 millimeter. Holy shit. Um, that was a treat. For sure. Um, also, that was yeah. uh, sorry to jump no, in on it. yours. Uh, that was one of the volunteer programs. So, like, they oh, must yeah, have had, they had to go way out of their way to get a thirty-five. You would think, and they only played it one night. And like, uh, that just a great example had of a like good going crowd that night, way above and beyond like what mm-hmm. they had to do. This was just like one of the volunteers wanted to watch Cure, and and presumably John was just like, "Yep, we're going to make it happen. We're going to do it in thirty-five. It's amazing." Yeah. Um, another volunteer one, and number three on my list is the thing. Um, Great print, uh, again, one of my all-time favorites that I've seen many times, uh, but the experience of seeing it at the Trilon and talking about it with my buds uh, really elevated that, and I still think about that experience. Uh, number four, uh, Miller's Crossing. Um, it was the first time I'd seen it. Um, I really enjoyed talking about it. Uh, it was DCP, um, but I did see it um, with uh, some people here and some who weren't some some other friends. Uh, shout out to Bruce if you're listening to this. Um, but uh, that's uh, a recently, you know, this year, um, you know, one of my favorite unseen before this year movies uh, that I still, um, you know, think about from time to time. Probably in my top couple of Coen Brother movies, too, uh, I think, at this point. And then number five for me was Good Morning. Um, we've talked about it. Great print. Good morning, um, love to man. see it. It was the second time I'd seen it. Um, I tried to get it in in advance of a Criterion uh, sale where they do, you know, half off all their, their Blu-rays and stuff. Um, but the print of Good Morning was fucking amazing and way better uh, than seeing it on fucking Amazon Prime, which I did it uh, yeah. the first time. Uh, don't feel great about. Uh, but I'm so glad that it was included in the slate of uh, anniversary films uh, and yeah, I'm really thankful that I got to see that at the trial, and that was awesome. Excellent. Uh, and we were down to one. Um, my, I don't have any particular order to these. I feel bad, but uh, huh. I feel like I'm going to end on my number one. Um, I'm going to list McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Uh, nice. It, Hell yeah. I, this year was very, like, uh, Asian cinema heavy, um, but yeah. McCabe and Mrs. Miller was a nice outlier of being, like, an, uh, I believe it was made in Canada. Uh, maybe it's a Canadian production um, that was very much about, like, you like foreign El- cinema. Cinema. Yeah. Uh, International. About, that was very much about, um, like, elements of Western culture sort of, uh, 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 what's the term, synecdochized in, in, in this specific spot in this time. And just Dynamite Performances, my first Robert Altman movie. I was talking in the elevator up here about how I then decided to try watching Popeye after watching <laughs> that. And because I had heard it was terrible, I wanted a spectrum. I wanted to know how good, good he could be and how bad it could be. Didn't finish. I fell asleep in the middle of Popeye. <laughs> Shelley Duvall's in it, so it can't be all bad. I remember Correct. getting to the Shelley Duvall yeah. part. I'm like, wow, I'm going to stick through this movie. Robin Williams, our Robert Altman, did not. <laughs> I, I fell right the fuck asleep. Uh, the Thin Man. Um, I uh, yes, nice. I had a slight personal connection to this movie, as you might have remembered from listening to our episode on the Thin Man, which is that I watched this movie conservatively like fifteen times as a kid because my mom uh, only ever really watched TCM and the news, um, and so I got very familiar with this movie. And then from about age maybe five or six until this year, had not seen it. I didn't even know that there was a way to see it, but we saw it at the trial, and I don't remember if that one was thirty-five or not. Um, but it was a really good production, really good uh, part of the series. They kicked off a Thin Man series. Uh, it was 35 millimeters, sorry. Themed uh, around Myrna Loy, um, and they played this and uh, After the Thin Man, uh, which I have still never seen. 
including <laughs> the Trilon. Never did catch that one. Um, but this movie, I watched a lot as a kid, had a personal connection to it, and was very happy to see it come to the Trilon and to get to see it as an adult. Uh, Police Story is uh, maybe unfairly on my list because first time I watched it was was it at Cody's? Yeah, we yeah. watched it. Yeah, weirdly, because I, the did criteria, we know it was playing at. I think the it was close. It, it was like a it month was coming, beforehand. It was like coming. Not up. I was not yeah. there, but, but I about it. But it was coming up at the same time as the Criterion release, right. the dual release of Police Stories One and Two, uh, and Cody had pre-ordered that. He had this on hand. Um, and so we all met at Cody's house to watch these two movies. Shout back out to back. Cody's apartment. Great place to watch movies. Great Emily place. was also there. So shout, shout out to Emily. Emily. Shout uh, out to yeah. Emily uh, for watching Police Story with us. Excellent, fucking great movie. Uh, Police Story 1 is, uh, I really came to love that movie. And watching it once with my friends, mm-hmm. great experience to have a lot of fun. Watching it once at the Trilon is just like, yeah. it's Hell like yeah. putting the, uh, some great food on a different plate. It's like you might appreciate <laughs> it in a different awesome. way. And then I watched it again because I then bought the Criterion releases <laughs> myself. So I've seen that movie three times this year. Each of those movies three times this year. And I fucking loved them each time. Yep. Um, so that, again, might be a little bit of cheating because I saw it more outside the trial than there. Counts. But it really, like, it got my ass out of my house to watch yeah. a movie that I loved, which is Especially like the that, heart of that the first time at Cody's apartment. Like that's we magical. It, it was like, it was like June 5th or something. And I remember it just being like, this is it's summer. Like this yeah. is it. Like Perfect <laughs> it's summer so movie. great. Yeah. Uh, let's see. That was number three. Um, yep. No, four. Or, I think that was, was number three. three. Uh, Akira. I was familiar with Akira. Um, I had watched it when it came out for, when the Blu-ray came out for its 25th anniversary. Cause I had never seen it before, uh, which was a couple years back, I believe. And um, obviously, I fell in love with it. I'm already a fan of anime, and this movie, and this movie is like one of the seminal pieces of of the genre, of the form. Uh, what form it's not is a that? genre. What it's form a is form. that? Anime. 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 Mm, you're an anime. Anime fan. or anime? Not. I think it's pronounced anime. An yes. an anime. It's manga. <laughs> I'm gonna end it, man. Keep we, going, uh, please. <laughs> but I want the Trilon to play more animated stuff. Specifically with respect to anime, it is an underrepresented genre, mostly in the twi- Twin Cities. You get the Ghibli Fest, you get um, Ghost in the Shell, you get whatever the Uptown puts on at midnight, and that's great. They're great yeah. midnight films. It's, it's not so much that, that it's underrepresented, but it's, it's, there are the same films that have gotten a hold in yeah. America you that see, get shown. You see Mononoke, you yes. see Totoro, you see Hell's Moving Castle, uh, you see the crowd pleasers. Uh, I think Akira kind of counts as that it again, it to does, go against yeah. the point, but and yeah, I don't, I don't mind. At, it's also the most worthy. It actually has a laserdisc Criterion release. Yeah, sure. Like, yeah. You believe that? The, I don't think they put out a Blu-ray version because they don't have the rights for that. But anyway, um, it is probably the most one of the most deserving anime films of uh, of like uh, the, seeing it in a theater treatment of like critical appraisal in yeah. 2019. Sure. Um, and again, it's one of those movies. Like my number one, that got me thinking about movies in a different way. That got me like applying a certain lens. Everybody already here, know, here already knows what my favorite movie I don't. is. Stray Dog. Oh, Akira Kurosawa's nineteen forty nine. I believe it's forty nine. Yep. Crime thriller. Um, and I had come to associate Akira Kurosawa with uh, a lot of highfalutin samurai hijinks uh, between Seven Samurai and Hidden Fortress and Throne of Blood. Very like high fantasy style type uh, versus like a very. Um, plebeian stories like uh, like Seven Samurai that's very down with the working class with the with, with the plebes so to speak and then uh, seeing this which is a very tightly crafted very like paranoid very sweaty grungy movie different experience a lot of the same tools as Kurosawa uses in his uh, other films in his more um, the films people associated him with 
but just so tight and meaningful and weirdly fun. Uh, of course, young, hot Tashira Mifune. You'll hear his name again on this podcast. Yeah, right. Uh, he's in top form in this movie. It was like his second movie, maybe, with Kurosawa. I believe it was his second after Drunken Angel. Yeah. And I think we saw this one on 35mm, which maybe stunned me the most. It is a fucking incredible movie to watch on film. I think uh, of all of the movies that you mentioned, I think that like Akira and Stray Dog are maybe the ones I spent the most time thinking about after we watched Absolutely. them. That uh, might, now thinking back, that may have been a, a factor in choosing what my favorite were. You're just a um, big fan of Metal Gear Solid 3, and you like mm, how yeah. that movie, or that game ripped off video Stray Dog's game. ending. Stray yeah, Stray. I had to get a video game reference in there. Uh, <laughs> my favorite video game reference was... Uh, that's my five. Oh um, yeah. Awesome. So that's Great list, five. everybody. Did we have uh, bits between this? No, let's do just we go have, straight into... Do we have any secondary awards to award between this and the well, next Let's scroll down, bro. But no, Killing we're heading straight into so, the next scratch, category. Scratch my previous assertion off the list. We are now awarding Queen of the Trilon. <sighs> Here she comes. This is this specifically specifically actors and films. This is not... Yeah, uh, we're not doing directors. Yes. Or even general kind of people. This, this is specifically is, yeah. the faces of movies that we saw. Which maybe we should, and maybe we will next year. Yeah. yeah. There's something for the... The semi-annual trial of uh, Golden Berries? Anybody? If we're not annihilated by uh, nuclear uh, destruction. Then I mean, yes, that's we almost will try a that next makes year. Think. Uh, Jason, you want to read off the nominees? I'm facing the right way. Okay, I can read off the nominees nope, if you want me to. Nope, nope, I got it. I got it. Jason's got we it. We have Myrna Loy for The Thin Man and After The Thin Man. You don't have to do that forever. You can just read we off the We have page. Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley Jesus, in please. Alien and Alien. He's going to fuck up on one of these, though. <laughs> we have Kimiko Ikigami as Gorgeous in Haosu. Very good. We have Sissy Spacek as the titular Chris... <laughs> Carrie. Carrie. In Christine. She's a car. We have Greta Garbo as Ninochka in Ninochka. Can we nominate Christine? <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> you're I right. I wanted you're right. to so badly before we started. Uh, do we have any process for voting for these? Let's just nope. talk about let's, it. Let's work through them. Yeah. So, so why yeah. why is Myrna Loy on this list? Um, I uh, so she uh, we obviously saw. I didn't see the Thin Man at the trial, and I did see after the Thin Man at the trial. Uh, her presence in those movies had a lasting impression on me, and I guess it's also due to the uh, the curse that got laid upon me by a witch when I was very young. Any movie I watch in a franchise, I need to watch all the movies in that series. <laughs> so after seeing The Thin Man and after The Thin Man, I did go out and pick up DVDs for the uh, entries three through six in The Thin Man Saga. Um, and she, Myrna Loy is great in all of them. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, she's an all-time actress. Um, like I said, she has, had a lasting uh, effect on me this year, and she's great. She's hilarious. She, she like, kind of maybe even unarguably steals the show from her male co-star Correct. in the film, oh, who absolutely. has more time absolutely. on screen. Um, she should be the main character of those movies. That was my uh, primary take, um, yeah. problem yeah. with those movies. Yeah, yeah I will say... Um, I, I won't say too much about the movies. Uh, I don't think anybody else here has seen three through six. Uh, yep. She, in my mind, does not. Uh, she continues to not get the uh, the credit or screen time or, or bits that she deserves uh, in those movies. Or I don't know any movies. I should watch more Myrna Loy movies. That's but not to say that she doesn't get great bits. Correct. In those movies. She's, she's very. Not, she uh, not she uses her time very efficiently. She's amazing. Yeah. She's yeah. also one of two women that were given their own series at the Trilon yep. this year. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll just go ahead and read the. Um, yeah. Little yeah. note that they included with the Myrna Loy series. Please. Also, if you want to if you want to check out uh, the poster, um, one of the Trilon vi- volunteers uh, created a spectacular Myrna Loy poster. 
Um, it says, Born in a Montana mining town, Myrna Loy began in silent films and gracefully transitioned to talkies, playing alongside Hollywood's biggest stars and often stealing the show. In 1937, Loy spoke out against Hitler so strongly that he had her films banned in Germany. Whoa! So, so she wins this? Uh, or so what? she wins this, uh, essentially, is what we're saying. Well, um, we got to talk about But Sigourney we should talk Weaver, about the other right? ones as well. Yes. Which Sigourney bring, Weaver. Brings us to Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver has Ellen Ripley in Alien and Aliens. You can just say Alien if you want. I should. <laughs> and she's good in Aliens, though. Like, she is good, she in is good in Aliens. I was, I was not there for that discussion, but you guys didn't have any problem with Sigourney Weaver in Aliens, right? No, right? no, no not Can you her. say her first name if you... Sigourney? Can I, can I just get that clean? Sigourney? You said Sigourney three times. Sig- Sigourney <laughs> Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Get his ass. Um, no, she's Sigourney really wonderful, and, and uh, she's, you know, Alien is pretty much... Her story, I would say, or at least it morphs into that over the second half of the film, um, and uh, it does not work without her performance, which is maybe one of the most iconic oh, performances and in a horror film. Definitely, I I have a weird thing with Sigourney Weaver where I will never be able to think of her as uh, without thinking about Alien, but yet something about her performance in Alien makes me think she's got range. Like she could be way more than this. I just haven't delved too far into her filmography. Sure. I guess. Well, uh, that performance is is a really special one because it's so um under sort of like uh undertold or what am I, what's the phrase understated I'm for? understated but also nuanced in that that, that it's such a theme movie uh, more so than a character movie. We talked about that a little bit. And so she has to sort of like let that ride and I I think that she makes a lot of acting decisions that um, characterize her really well and really subtly in understated ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just a it's a really masterfully uh, performed part of maybe the most perfectly constructed movie ever made. It Hot is takes. a perfect organism. Uh, Again, wasn't there for the aliens discussion? This could shit on you were the there. Point. You were in the same room. Oh yes. Uh, but I will say that uh, I think she she makes kind of an excellent change to a more actiony character in Absolutely. the second film that is maybe a little more impressive than than you might think. Just from seeing Alien and then Aliens, I think that's an impressive yeah. turn. So, Even that um, is a demonstration of her range. Yes, for sure. Um, she has amazing hair also. And then, really uh, good hair. Until what, three is where they cut it all off? Yeah, I think so. Never saw three. Kamiko Ikigami. Does anybody want to talk about as her gorgeous. performance particularly? Uh, she, it, I just want to... Yeah, can I start? Um in a movie where characters are defined and literally named after their physical characteristics, it's really hard to pull a character into something slightly more than that. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Uh, Mac, Sporty, whatever their other names are. Doc. It's Kung yeah. Fu, yeah. And it's very pointed, I think, that they all yes. ha- that they are all defined and known by those things. But all of the actresses in this movie, sp- where I think we chose uh, Kimiko Ikigami specifically just because she was sort of like the face of the movie. Um... I think that every uh, actress in this movie deserves recognition because they do like they fill those roles so completely and thoroughly. Like they were models uh, from Nobuhiko, Nobuhiko Obayashi's previous like TV ads. They weren't proven actresses yet, and yet they really like brought it home for this cheesy, bizarre, yeah. meaningful. Particularly, movie. she did uh, as yes. the lead role. Um, yeah, I. It's it's funny we we've done. A, a podcast and a half about Haosu. Uh I would desperately like to talk about that movie again. A full second time. Uh, it's a masterpiece, and a big part of why it's a masterpiece is uh, 
Kimiko Ikigami's performance, which is again uh, really nuanced and and demonstrates a thematic understanding mm-hmm. that is like extraordinarily deep, in my opinion. The well, way that it balances camp with the real sort of message, but also without losing. Uh, at, at any point, the the utter irony in, in camp of that that movie. Yeah. It's, it's not a movie that is like has hidden depths. It's that all of the depth and all of the camp is always there. Mm-hmm. It's a weird distinction to make, but it's the the distinction that movie makes. Yeah. And and she is particularly noteworthy because she is like the main character. She's brought in, um, or at least we see more of her backstory than we see of almost any other character. We see her internal struggle with like her the passing of her mom. And or the leaving of her mom, I guess I forget which if she's if she dies or if she and and the whole like plot centers around yeah. her her aunt. Um, so yeah. great, great, great. Yeah. It's it's she's a character with with deep in- interiority, and the interiority is representative of the entire themes of the movie. And we don't see that interiority yeah. except through her and through her external presence in the movie. We don't get to see monologues. We don't get to see what's happening inside of her head. Uh, she's possessed, arguably, uh, halfway through the movie. Um, she carries that all perfectly. Yep. yep. Um, so now on to Sissy Space. Real quick note, if you oh. heard me say uh, one of the characters' name uh, names was Doc, uh, I meant to say Prof. I don't know why I was thinking of the Seven Dwarves like a fucking idiot. Um not many of us get the chance to catch ourselves while we're on the air. I'm going to take that opportunity to think about it. <laughs> it's a very no, snow white. Oh my god! Sissy right. Spacek. This is, this, is a, take. this is an entirely different episode. We can talk about this later. Yeah. But <laughs> write this down. Save it for my the Halloween episode yeah. next year. <laughs> moving, moving on to Sissy Spacek as the titular ca- Carrie in Carrie, uh, Brian De Palma's movie. Cool movie. His Brian De Palma's. Big adventure. Yeah, this was an episode that you, Jason, and you, Harry, recorded. Yes, on yes. it was a right? uh, Love Slim Pickens episode. Um, we had uh, we watched this movie just literally immediately prior to recording. It was one of those uh, Try Love at night. Um, Harry, you had a lot more interesting stuff to say about her performance and about uh, you. You did on our episode uh, about like what she, uh, how like the movie uses her to make you empathize with the character yeah. and how and how Sissy Spacek is one of those people has one of those faces that's very good at getting you to empathize with her to right. feel bad. So for I, her I and think with the her. way into this is so far on this segment uh, we've we've talked a lot about how these these actresses integrate with and elevate the themes of the movie through their their understanding and a performance that carries that understanding carries that understanding. Uh-huh. Uh, in this movie um, sort of the inverse happens uh, where as we talked about in that episode we have a pretty complicated relationship with how we feel about Carrie uh, I don't love that movie I don't think Jason you love I don't that love movie. it it's a good movie I yeah. don't think that I love it we don't love De Palma's directing in it which is a, a, a hot you mean, take. You mean uh, just this random series of diopter shots doesn't I, do it for you? Which, you know, that's a very hot take. Um, I think that that movie's message is in conflict with its sort of um, titillating... Um, voyeuristic. Voyeuristic yeah. lens that De Palma shoots with and his sort of contempt for the story and the people in it, which mm-hmm. is ironic because he wanted to do it really bad specifically. Um, anyway, I think Sissy Spacek successfully works against that voyeuristic cheapening lens by by carrying through this character that I have an astounding amount of empathy for. Yes. And she she brings a sadness and a desperation and a, like a quiet um, understanding and tragedy to the role that is 
remarkable, uh, especially for a movie that is dead set against making her into a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, you're right in that she does not play with. It's almost like she's playing against the director's direction in some yes. in some instances, and that makes you perceive her as a fuller character, as a less written character in weird ways. I mean, I'm just sort of spitballing from sure. the last time I watched it, which was, what, October mm-hmm. during their horror series? Uh, I, too, loved her performance more than I liked the movie. Yeah. I think. I think I think uh, her being on here with Sigourney Weaver is actually, I mean, those that's two of the two of the best, you know, female performances and, and horror. Best, best performances and horror. You're yeah. forgetting Mary Elizabeth Winstead in the remake of The so Thing. So is Kikiku. Our, Jesus, Kimiko. She's got three of the three of the films here are horror films. That's there's, interesting. There's actually some really interesting writing about uh, female depictions in horror and, and how there are so many more female-led horror movies than there are other genres, and why that is, yeah. and why it kind of sucks, and why it's interesting yeah. and good anyway. Uh, it's a whole. That's a very nuanced topic that we don't have time to get into right. because we're talking about Greta Garbo. Greta Garbo. Or Our Greta Gerwig, no- as I've called her 700 <laughs> times. Last what? last nominee of, of this category, Greta Garbo, uh, as seen in yeah. Ninochka, this episode, um, that has just recently released. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to timestamp our fucking episodes. Um, why is she on this list? She's really good. Wow. So who's the winner? That was a very uh, Garbo. Yeah, I would give it to Marna Loy. We're going to give it to Marna Loy, you think? Greta Garbo's great in Ninochka. <laughs> she is. She is. Uh, now, we've had less time to digest her we performance. Have, which, uh, and it's also the first film that we've ever seen her in. It's a uh, nice challenge. Well, yeah. we, I, I'm sure that I saw her in, in some movies as a kid. Uh, again, my, yeah, my right. mom versus... Jason DC. Flex and Daphnis. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned everything from my mama. Uh, it is a spectacular performance in that is a, it was a career turn. For Greta Garbo, um, it is a spectacular performance in that even if you haven't seen any movies from her before then, you can tell that it's a career turn for her because she's very stoic and, sto- and uh, stolid until a specific point in the movie. Yes, stolid is a word. Yeah. Uh, where we finally see her laugh guffawing uproariously at something that wasn't actually ultimately that funny. The guy's not funny. Yeah, like she commands the... the she commands her character. She commands the movie in such uh, a strong way that even if you have no, like we had no context for uh, like her her star power or where that movie is slotted in the annals of of film history, um, but like even then we knew enough that like when she laughed that meant something that was like earth shattering. Exactly, her performance carries a lot uh, with with the film's theme, right? Mm-hmm. That slow cracking of a facade, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so now we have to decide who we're giving this to. Should we, should we just see? I mean, is there a general? Should uh, we just vote one by one? I don't like the idea of voting. Forty-five minutes already. Of course we you don't. Pick. Okay, well, I don't. yeah, we have to hurry this up. Huh? <laughs> uh, Maybe we should have a part one and part two. Anyway, okay. uh, who are we I would say Martin Loy is my personal favorite. I am willing to give it to Sissy Spacek. Interesting, Cody. Uh, I think I give it to Martin Loy too. But I would like to hear. Oh, there's an interesting politic here, right? Because yeah. that means I can cast my vote for That's somebody, and Myrna Loy will yeah. still win. That's why you don't do that? Uh, Kimiko Ikigami. 
Right. I'm really so, yeah. I'm really glad. Thank that you, you got for your taking vote. your rights as an American to vote to just throw it in the fucking garbage can. Myrtle Lloyd takes it. Myrtle yeah, Lloyd it's gotta be Myrtle it. It's Myrtle Lloyd. Right. There you have it, Queen of the Trilon 2019, Myrtle Lloyd. <sighs> not only yeah, not only you know in the Thin Man, but yeah, she had a whole she had a whole fucking uh, uh, yeah, series. They named played yeah, the Thin did. Man she after did. the Thin Man. Mr. Blandings build his dream house and libeled lady all in 35 millimeter. Gotta be the Gotta be gotta be the queen. There can be only one queen. All right, so now, now right. we've got some quick awards. we right? got some quick yeah. awards. Just fire them off the cuff. We have our best Cody's Noties. Christ. And our favorite Cody's Noti from 2019 came during our episode on Enter the Dragon, uh, where Harry brought um, ties between uh, Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do uh, philosophy, life philosophy and fighting philosophy and carried it through the themes of Enter the Dragon and the rest of his filmography and him as a person. When Cody whips out of fucking nowhere... His <laughs> an anime reference. And fucking anime reference. That's that's our purview. And to, Cody's taking it. To Cowboy Bebop. The Next anime. he's going to be making video game references. We're so goddamn proud of him. <laughs> uh, we this sounds kind of condescending. He's a bigger, he's a huge Cowboy Bebop fan in his own right. And uh, That was a qualifier I hate. In, incredible uh, reference to the fact that uh, Spike Spiegel of Cowboy Bebop is also a practitioner of Jeet Kune Do and the themes of Cowboy Bebop. Cody, do you remember what you said about it? Nope. Okay. Uh, the themes <laughs> of Cowboy Bebop. I'm doing my best to suppress that because I have not been more uncomfortable <laughs> in my life than I have been right now. <laughs> wow. Just because we're awarding we were very, you the best notice? It, it was just, just imagine it as like a take. It's not a Cody's Noti. Con- congratulations to Cody once again winning best Cody's Noti. I, I don't think anybody's goes, ever won it. Goes to the Noti. The award is named after me. Best Cody's Noti. No one else has won it. Cody's always been Cody. He he owns the nomination. Congrats to Cowboy Bebop uh, for winning this Noti. Our next next category is Best Take Mine. Are you doing it? I was going to do it. It's the Best Take Mine. Long-time listeners will remember a bit that we've added in (laughs) where we go to the Take Mines for our deepest dives on any given subject in a movie. And Uh, uh, this year we're going to give it to Harry's... take about uh, the connection between Fargo uh, on our Fargo episode and uh, its connections to uh, Buddhism. Now, Harry, give us the elevator pitch on that one. I'd rather not. Okay. So <laughs> we're moving on, like moving on to King of the Trilon. Golden you want to scroll down so we can see who the Kings of the oh, Trilon is? You can't phone. just do the Cody's Noties sound. No, it's okay. a different. Oh, it's, it's, a different it? it's more nuanced. I see. And the nominees are Toshira Mifune in the Akira Kurosawa and Toshira Mifune series, comprised of a lot of fucking good movies. Jackie Chan in Police Story 1 and 2. Takashi Shimura, also in all of those fucking Kurosawa movies. Warren Beatty in McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Bruce Lee in Enter the Dragon. And Fist of Fury. Fist of Fury. And Harry Dean Stanton in Christine. And okay. Paris, Texas, which we haven't seen yet, which is why it wasn't in my top five. And our last nominee was Bruce Lee. <laughs> and Harry Dean Stanton. I'll kill in all Enter of Enter the Dragon. He's got a gun. Uh, what is the case for Tashir Mifune? He is incredibly attractive. Yeah. He is one of... He is a <laughs> national treasure. He's like arguably the greatest actor. It's not a beauty so. contest. It, it, in part, National Treasure of J- Japan. <laughs> I think that's is that not oh, what sure. I said? Specifically for like this year, the Trilon, like they had a whole series of films dedicated to his work with Kurosawa. Um, he cornered the market, is yeah, what he did. And it's just like it's it's like a it's like a sports player just racking up victories. You know what I mean? I'm not a sports hey, guy. Yeah, you cool. A sports player. We are getting a little fun. Um, yeah. I, I think we could say the same for Takashi Shimura, and that he's less sure. hot, and that he's more like your fun grandfather. Uh, but same token, he was he just like 
He has a huge part in all those movies. He mm-hmm. worked so closely with Kurosawa for so long and with Toshiro Mifune for so long. Uh, it's hard to deny. I think the, th- yeah. the thing about Toshiro Mifune, we talked about this a little bit with uh, Jimmy Stewart, is idiosyncratic performers who don't disappear into a role, but they elevate that role. Toshiro Mifune does both mm-hmm. somehow. He made he, a lot of what made he, those characters he made. Work. He was like an equal collaborator with Kurosawa, arguably, in that he elevates and defines the characters so well. Yeah. To the point where his character in Seven Samurai was written a- around Toshiro Mifune. They got Mifune and they wanted Mifune to do his thing. And so he did a composite of the Mifune characters and ended up producing one of the greatest film protagonists maybe in film history, right? Hot take, I guess. Um, That's a good take. But he he can both demonstrate an unbelievable range, as we saw at the Trilon, and he, his performances are so idiosyncratic and so unique that he he somehow can both have range and disappear into his uh, roles and elevate them. He's like Keanu Reeves if Keanu Reeves was also a classically incredible actor. Yeah, uh, Keanu Reeves did was done like Hamlet and such. Have you seen that? Have you seen much to do about Hamlet? Supposedly, supposedly his, supposedly <laughs> seen his Hamlet is very good. A lot of people. I love. Listen, I love Keanu Reeves. If he was uh, in a movie this year, he would be on this list. But Toshiro Mifune is one of the best actors. I, ever. I will also say that I think specifically with the movies the trial has had, you got to see him in some of his earlier collaborations uh, with Kurosawa, and then you got to see Redbeard kind of at the very end. It was like a, it was like older. a survey of his career. Right? Yeah, and it was like a kind of like meta commentary on his his prior very characters. Much so. That's a good point. It's a yeah. very long, long spanning career. Um, I think I can feel uh, where the the tides are turning. Uh, real quick, <laughs> uh, you know, throwing some praise to Takashi Shimura um, as the sports correspondent. Uh, I am qualified to uh, to make this type of uh, analogy. I feel like when you're making like the the all star uh, roster for like a movie for like, a, for like a movie ensemble, yeah, yeah like you, like Mifune is maybe like your Michael Jordan or your uh, your Barry Bonds or or what have you. Um, you need guys like Takashi Shimura to fill out your roster. Uh, they can't all like you can't have a movie full of okay a movie f- full of like eighteen to share Mifune sounds great, but you need. Uh, like yeah, actually, other, why can't you do that? You need other other people to fill in the cra- uh, like fill in the blanks, fill in, in the in the cracks that like Tashir Mefuni, uh, you know, the space he isn't occupying, uh, and Shimura like fills those cracks in in every movie that he was in. <laughs> I hate everything. Absolutely, you know what I mean. Absolutely, indefinitely Sports. true. Um, yeah. He is the main character in Seven Samurai yeah. too. So like he, there's an interesting role reversal of like Tashir Mefuni. Take a step down. Just be the most interesting character in this movie. You don't get to be the main character. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm uh, going to... I think I suggested Jackie Chan for this uh, He deserves category. to be nominated. I think we yeah. all did. Sort because, of. because he leaves uh, such an incredible impression in just the two movies that played that he was in at yeah. the trial on this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, both as director and as actor and as lead performer in the theme song. Uh, Please do not sing the Hero theme song. Story if you're going from to. 1985's Police Story. Uh, that is my um, quick summation. Is yeah, that I'll it's just say very, very impressive in a very tight series of movies. Yeah, obviously him and, and Bruce Lee in the same category, two martial artists. Um, Jackie Chan's. Uh, I think we were all. Uh, you know, I just remember from the, the discussion <gasps> he was in around three movies that played at the trial in this year. What was the third? He's in Enter, yeah. the, Dragon. He's in Enter the Dragon. Oh, he gets shit. his neck snapped by Bruce Lee. Uh, is okay. he in Fist of Fury too? As no, like I an don't extra? think so. I don't Maybe, remember. No, I don't think so. I think it's a definitely Enter the Dragon. Anyway, anyway, uh, 
I think, you know, I just remember us recording on Police Story and just gushing about how cool his physical performance was in that film. It's right? one of my like favorite the, episodes. Like, both the Police Stories, the, the playground fight scene, um, just the way he uses his environment around him. Um, you know, there are issues with those movies, but I think when those movies are doing what they do well, it shows that he can be a, a great director as well. Definitely. Um, and Harry Dean Stanton. So who wins? Uh, excuse me? Wait, we didn't talk about... We didn't talk about Jackie, Warren. We didn't talk about Warren Beatty oh, or Bruce, Bruce Lee. Really, really sorry. Jackie Chan was in Fist of Fury as okay. an uncredited Jing Wu student. That's Thank great. You. Four Thank films. You. Uh, so Just, uh, we're talking about Warren Beatty from <laughs> The Cave of Mrs. Miller, the sad sack, frog bumping yeah, he's ass great in motherfucker. That. We needed a token white guy. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, which is why I'm we had Harry Dean Stanton. Hey, hey, don't you mean the winner of the King of the Trilon 2019? <laughs> I'm on my collar, Harry. Uh, he's got a gun. Bruce Lee. Uh, can we say anything other than he's just like the coolest person? To One of the most lived? iconic yeah. screen presences of all time. Legitimately, uh, absolutely yeah. magic on screen. Yeah, like few people have ever been or ever will be. If anything, his his magicalness on screen makes you a little upset at some of the directorial choices in, say, Enter the Dragon. That that it does not show off his ability. I think he's working like magic out of maybe some pretty good material. Yeah, but not great material. Everybody a- should read about Jeet Kune Do. Um, his martial and life philosophy is. Um, um, I- extremely instructive. Yeah. Also, uh, Fist of Fury is also a not just a, a great martial arts movie. It is a very moving movie, and his performance in that yeah. I think is quite good as well. Uh, Fist yeah. of Fury fucking rules. Yeah. yeah, it's better than Into the Dragon. It is. Yeah. Every, no, no every question. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think mean, I think. Congrats, Harry Dean Stanton! Wow, yet again, winning away with best it. king of the Trilon 2019. Just because you're, Har- you're a surprised. Just because you're a Harry Dean Stan doesn't mean that you can just push wow. this agenda. He stands this guy a ton. Yeah. Uh, hey guys, he, I think I think it's it's Toshiro Toshiro Sorry to disappoint you, Harry. We know you're pushing for Harry Dean Stanton. We all know who the real king is. We all know we who the best give awards. Japanese Harry is outside of the awards <laughs> right. circuit. You know what I mean? We have a couple yeah. of uh, short categories to get off the list. We have best edit. That was uh, that's Aaron's Max Headroom bit in Alien. I love that bit a whole bunch. The original we recording fun. was funny, and then Jason also spliced it uh, into together. something that was not funny. Yeah, which we should we should also take take a second to recognize that uh, none of this is possible without Jason. He's amazing at Thank editing you. this You're podcast. Right. Uh, he does much more work than the rest of us do. Uh, we're very grateful to him. We're in his office Correct. right now. We wouldn't even have the space to record without Jason having a cool uh, job. That uh, so we're very grateful to you, Jason. Thank you. You yes. are the Trilon MVP always. Trilove MVP. Best recording snack. <laughs> this was the food that we ate while recording, and I, the only thing it could Thank have been. You, we oh, ate, we drank a lot of coffee. We ate a lot of snacks. Here. Uh, but yes, it's donuts, specifically from Baker's Wife. Shout out to Baker's Wife. I stop there on the way to work some days, most days, more days Every than I should. Every single day. I have a problem. Uh, but yeah, I love those donuts. Harry brought them in most of the time, so shout out to Harry. Oh, yeah. Dean thanks. Stanton won it again. Woo! <laughs> Just racking up the wins. You love to see it. My boy. Well. Uh, are we going to move to the main category? Yeah, let's do it. Do it. We have the best, 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 best dry run. Try let's define this. This is a movie that, uh, to at least one of us, was completely unseen. We had heard about it, maybe we had uh, had it recommended, but we had never seen it, and we had no um, no perception of whether or not we would like the film. Took correct? us by surprise, I think. And yes. we, we walked out of the theater maybe a little energized, maybe a little hyped up. Yeah, we just yeah. because it know. does have that boomerang effect. Yes. Um, so the nominees are 
Cure by Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Rentaneko by, I'm forgetting the director of that film. Uh, I don't know if I can find out much. You, maybe you can pull it up. Between the Lines by, oh, I'm forgetting. So this you're waiting for the director. Line, we this is one of the movies. movies. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller and Stage Fright. That's a shame because you knew the directors at the last I two. know. <laughs> uh, Naoko uh, Ogigami was the director Naoko of um, Rentaneko. Nice. And Between the Lines was, I, f- I know it was a w- uh, female director. Uh, it's weird female. that you didn't remember the female directors. Yeah, it is weird. It's a little weird. Uh, and Mrs. Miller was Robert Altman. Stage Fright was Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. And Between Alfred. the Lines from 1977. Oh, Joan Micklin Silver. Was Joan Micklin Silver. Thank I will you. say, maybe just to start it off, I Stage Fright maybe wins this for me, but that's a Hitchcock film. You know, it being good is maybe not as surprising Important. for a dry uh, run. <laughs> Hitchcock has made some stinkers. <laughs> so he has. He's also made some, some good ones. <laughs> We've, uh, yeah, yeah, he's made a, a few good movies, I guess. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's like an, he's a pretty alright director, um, it turns out. Maybe, maybe in this movie's favor, we did watch The Pleasure Garden before Stage Fright. Oh, and the aforementioned thinkers. thinkers. It's like somebody cleans your plate of poop and is like, here's a steak. Well, yeah, we call this but one The Pleasure Garden. Yeah. I, it was not pleasurable. That's it for was sure. not. It's a bad movie. Uh, um, stage Fright is a great Garden movie. My Happiness. Stage it Fright, is a, uh, yeah, Stage Fright is delightful. It's also I, one of it, his less talked about movies, yeah, less, yeah. less yep. like mentioned movies. You know, it, it's not in with The Rope. It's Diamond not in with Dial M. It's yeah. not with uh, Psycho or Birds or anything. It's interesting that you said Dial M and uh, The Birds for his first two. I would have said like Rear Window and... Um, Vertigo. Well, but that's, that's interesting. Going to my point, because, is that like, there's so many that you could mention, and yeah. Stage Fright yeah. is none of them. And I think right. Stage Fright is better than both The Birds and Dial M. It's maybe my favorite. Correct. It's probably not that's actually absurd. better than Window. I, I think I... Okay. Here's the thing. I recognize certain problems with the film. I think there's some stuff maybe two-thirds of the way through that doesn't work. But again, I walked out of this it's movie great. wanting to like run down the street. It, it is um, great. And it's, like, that's what I mean by Boomerang Effect. Is like You don't know what you're going to expect, and you assume that if you don't know it, it's bad. Yeah. Uh, so so it's not bad. So with that kind of same framing, McCabe and Miss Miller, what's the case there? Uh, I, I'll try to make the case for yeah. that. Um, that uh, I I feel like it's a huge gap in my uh, in my like movie visibility movie visibility uh, in that I should have watched this film years ago. I should have been exposed to it years ago uh, and wasn't. Um, it has uh, really great performances and really like progressive messaging throughout that really um, struck me very strongly, and I did not expect that of a Western film, even when it's billed as, quote-unquote, an anti-Western. I really loved getting to talk about what the hell that means on an episode of this podcast uh, that we where we covered McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Um, I don't really know what, what more That's I can a, say. It's a sensibility bingo for me um, because I love, like, almost nothing else – unbelievably depressing, heartbreaking movies from the 1970s. I love the way that (laughs) 1970s movies look. I love the way that the colors look. I love the way that the acting works. Uh, This was on 35, I believe. Um, I really love anti-capitalist movies. Spoilers, surprise. Uh, This is a really good anti-capitalist movie. Um, I like movies that are more progressive than you think that they're going to be. (laughs) Uh, And I really love that episode. And I have a complicated relationship with westerns because i liked them a lot growing up returning to them is brutal 
and often um, not very rewarding mm. shout-outs to every Western ever made, <laughs> uh, except for maybe kind of this one, uh, which which is... Oh, and uh, I, I like knew. Leonard Cohen. Everybody loves Leonard oh, Cohen. I Leonard uh, Cohen. The Leonard Cohen um, song in this is maybe the saddest thing ever. Uh, this movie is fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and uh, I like heartbreaking shit, so I like this movie a whole hell of yeah. a lot. Uh, that is McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Uh, Between the Lines. Um, it was, I believe, one of two John McClane Silver films that they played at the trial, but I'm forgetting the other one. Uh, Girlfriends, I think. Yes. Yep. yep. Girlfriends. Um, this was introduced by, and I'm forgetting their names, but the authors of a book about uh, women's about women. Her uh, name is similar. Maya um, Montanez Smuckler. Uh, mm-hmm. She's the manager of the UCLA Film and Television Archives Research and Study Center. She wrote uh, Liberating Hollywood Women Directors in the Feminist Reform of 1970s sim- Cinema, which was available, um, and I believe you bought it, I Jason. did buy it. Yeah. I want to watch more of the movies mentioned in it before giving it a read-through. We're mm-hmm. all going to read it and borrow it from Jason. Yay! Uh, and uh, this movie having that sort of like academic backing made it an interesting one to sure. go into. Um, uh, it... Uh, it, it's ostensibly about um, a newsroom, and like it was pitched in trailers and in the trial and pr- promotional materials as like it's timely because it's about the state of journalism, and it's because it's about like you know uh, the declining importance uh, or the declining perceived importance of uh, of objective fact and reporting and the media. It is not entirely that. Um, it is more about like interpersonal issues among the working class. Uh, that can either advance or detract from their uh, their solidarity. Uh, and it's about the death of the counterculture movement in, in the era of hippies. It's another heartbreaking movie from the 1970s. I talk too much about McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I like this movie a shitload, uh, more than anybody else in here. Um, I wrote a dumb letterbox review that's riddled with typos about it because <laughs> I was like really enamored of it. Um, it's, it's, about, it's about male entitlement and how male entitlement... Um, corrupted what was once a legitimate movement and made it into something that was actually more in line with the status quo as it existed at at the time and how the counterculture movement was destroyed by entitlement and um, male ego from within. Um, I think it's a really unsparing look at that, um, and it's... it's, Really, really well done. Yeah, And also, it's gorgeous 1970s. Yeah, this is reminding me of... um Black Christmas. I got a lot of those vibes from Black Christmas. Sure. Also 1970s. Uh, yeah, so up next is uh, Renteneko. Renteneko. Renteneko, uh, which uh, is Japanese for Rent-A-Cat. Um, that is uh, Naoko's Ogigami's uh, film that we saw. It's actually a 2012 film. Um, I think we were all kind of... Uh, I can't remember who all saw that, but everybody who was there was very charmed by it. Uh, um, it was myself... Did you see it, Aaron? I did see it, yes. Aaron, Harry, and Harry's sister, Charlie. Yes. uh, um, Guest of the podcast. It was, you know, most of that film is like a very delightful kind of quirky, I guess I would even say, film um, that has a very uh, kind of deeply sad uh, undercurrent running underneath it um, that I really connected with. It Um, is. um, Yes. It's it's really wonderful. There's a a kind of a a great performance by uh, Mikako Ichikawa, uh, that kind of holds the whole film together. Um, it's about uh, that character's uh, life and kind of daily routine, routine and right. how she 
um, kind of affects those around her uh, and, with her rent-a-cat business. And about how she secludes herself. She goes into like a state of solitude, um, despite her entire living being about interacting with and providing people being with, for others, providing yes. people with partnership. Um, I I love like I had to see this movie again. It's very hard to find in mm-hmm. certain places. Yeah, but I would love to see this movie again. It's um, a, it's a beautiful movie. It's a very sad. And movie. it was a one night only. Yep. Yeah, random um, poll. I can't remember his name, and I apologize for this. I, I just looked up. It's not on the Trilon's website anymore, but uh, uh, just a guy rented out the Trilon to play it. Oh, really? Um, it's great. Yeah. That's amazing. It's great. Great that they were able to find it, too. Yeah. Uh, and Cure, you will hear that name again. Uh, this was Kiyoshi Kurosawa's um, 1990s, I think, horror film? Mm-hmm. Psychological ho- thriller horror film. Uh, do we want to talk about too too much right now, or do we want to talk about it? Yeah, I think greater? we're going to talk about it for this this this. Well, is it going to win <laughs> this category? Yeah, I mean, we should probably talk about it. So, if it's Cure is winning the category. Let's talk is about it? it a little bit. I don't know. I, don't know. I think for me, it, at least in terms of being a dry run, uh, I mean, I kind of was the driest run of yeah. these for me. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, I think it has the. There's kind of a few things working in its favor. One, it has it has a bit of nor- notoriety uh, as, as a. a somewhat famous Japanese film, but it also has the problem uh, that a lot of very good Japanese films have that haven't, uh, again, like I talked about earlier, like caught on uh, in the West, right? And it's fucking impossible. Like Rent-A-Cat, it's impossible to find this fucking thing and to watch it. It is. It's really stupid. You have to steal it or see it at a theater like the Trilon. I know a guy who who encourages stealing. Yeah. Uh, Not me, for sure. Definitely don't steal this and watch it. Oh, so why have you stolen video games from my shelf before? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but this is, you know, it's a it's a deeply uh, depressing, like maybe even cynical look at modern society and the uh, appearances and kind of masks that we wear uh, in order to uh, portray uh, an in idealized version of ourselves by. to others. Yes. Yeah. Um, it is a not necessarily a scary movie, despite arguably being horror, but it is oh, it extremely thrilling. Yeah. yeah, it feels like David Fincher just was like taking notes on this shit, right? Uh, for the past this few is, films this that is, he's done, this is David Fincher's finest film. <laughs> this is David Fincher's perfect yes. blue. Yeah, the yes. movie he just made again. No, Paprika. I You're guess, talking about Paprika, but even that's not right. Paprika. What Paprika is to Christopher Nolan. Nolan. Yeah. This movie is Wrong. to David Fincher. Uh, yeah, this is a it's an absolute unmitigated masterpiece. Um, one of my, maybe one of my favorite movies. One of the best movies actually to go in as like a dry run film yeah. uh, to not know anything about. This movie takes you on a sorry to explode the fact that it's good. Yeah. We won't tell you anything more about it. Uh, you can listen did. to our episode. We talk about it. Yeah. A whole Don't lot. listen to our episode yet. Uh, I would say this wins it. I mean, is, does anybody else have a strong? No, I mean for me it'd be either uh, like if we're going off of like expectations to like how we feel coming out of it it'd be like Kieran stage fright for me uh, I missed Rent and Echo unfortunately I'd love to revisit that yeah, uh, sure. as you know we just established how difficult uh, it would be to uh, obtain that uh, media um, I could if you want to make a pact we I would go for stage fright potentially we could do it I'm voting uh, Cure I own oh. stage fright already checkmate no he means for oh, this for dry for road number oh. one I think not checkmate. Cure and Stage Fighter my two as well. So I I would I would go Cure. I mean I it's, think it's it's, yeah. it's, it's Cure. It's, it's still it's an Cure. Cure, yeah. cure, cure baby. Uh, real quick, I know we're like way over time and everything. There are a couple have. of there are a bunch of dry runs that I saw this year that I want to shout out. Um, yeah. Memories Rapid of Fire. Underdevelopment. Uh, Thomas Gutierrez uh, Alia, I believe it's a it's a Cuban film about the Cuban Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, devastating. Uh, extremely uh, important Didn't to watch. Martin Scorsese wasn't that? Yes. Wasn't he part of the? It was part of the preservation his film, his film yes. um, international preservation film preservation efforts. Effort. Yeah. Um, Ikari XB One. 
uh, Jinrik Polak. Uh, one of the movies I'm most uh, depressed that we didn't get to make an episode on. Um, Same, actually. Because it's, it's uh, really great and uh, really surprising and also heartbreaking in a really different way in that it posits sort of out of a, a Soviet um, mindset, it, it posits a like deeply optimistic vision of the future where people understand the importance of human life better uh, and to watch that movie in this day and age was absolutely devastating and not for the reasons that movies usually are mm-hmm. um, Killer of Sheep, Charles Burnett, we got to see that on 35mm, it was his um, college thesis uh, it's a remarkable movie again, mm-hmm. maybe one of the saddest movies I've ever seen it is uh, shout outs yeah. in particular to the the most brutal ending I've maybe ever seen in a movie. Uh, and that includes McCabe and Mrs. Miller's. Uh, which, so you're really saying something. Uh, and then finally, uh, Sony Coombs' Beast of Me and Foreign Sky, uh, which are art films that were shown, uh, I can't remember by whom, but somebody in affiliation with the U of M um, that ended up integrating with the Trilons themes really well, but they were deeply affecting movies that I think about a lot and that have really changed a lot of the way that I think about history and deconstructionism and the way that we approach competing narratives of um, history, particularly in the West, and what our narratives about history suggest about who we are. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I will say, uh, as if we're giving shout-outs, kind of similar to uh, Stage Fright and, and McCabe. Uh, you know, I, I, For me personally, Kurosawa's Red Beard, I think, was a movie that uh, I know not everybody agrees to the same extent, but that was, it's not one of his, like, square quotes around it, classics, you know, it is not Seven Samurai, it's not Yojimbo, uh, but, uh, you know, that is a, it's like a three-hour movie that, to me, felt like two, uh, that's always a good uh, indicator, and that's actually uh, the film of his that I think connected with the most, and that that's maybe my personal favorite film I saw sure. this year. Um, nice. And we're you know, it's not a about best picture, it's, you know, and you nominated it for that. But yeah, okay. We've got some more, some more one-offs. Uh, we got. Do we want to do best trial and trivia? Trial and trivia. If nobody can remember the piece, we'll just edit it in. Best Jason. trial and trivia is when John Moret told us about how uh, they came, how the trilon came into possession of the John Waters uh, no smoking pre-roll, which goes, we use which, as our opening theme. Which you will have noticed we use as our opening theme. Uh, we'll play it for you now. Who do we have to talk to to get the John Waters no smoking PSA to show a little more often? Uh, Nikki, probably. Okay. Have you seen Nikki? We love it so much. It's think, part of our theme song, yeah, literally. It's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was one that I actually stole in that day where they were tearing out all the film projectors. Wow. Really? Was like, that was something that Landmark had asked John Waters to record for them, and we had it what? on film. <laughs> and I actually snagged it with like a box of a whole bunch of their other snipes. And then we put them on screen and... Did they ever use that them. for anything? Or? Yeah, yeah, we used it for Midnight's all the time. Okay, okay. Sure. Um, I could use a little more of that at the Midnight. I, I like going good. to the Midnight showings there. I could use a little more of that kind They've of They've taken the, all the personality out of that. Yeah. yeah. Hello, I'm John Waters. And I'm here to tell you, there is no smoking in this podcast. Oh, we're not as far over time as I thought. Yeah, we we're doing fine. Uh, we can cut this out. Um, okay, what would the little yeah, you need all to have it once you're down there. And our second. Nope. Yeah. What? You need to go back to the page. We can't see anything over there. Oh. Golden berries. 
technical I guess difficulties. It is a little less nuanced since basically Cody's name. Yeah, and our second throwaway category. Uh, these, the Rashomonis. <laughs> How do we Rashomonis. Yeah. Rashomonis. This is the movie that is uh, most egregiously and specifically longer than Rashomon. Okay, so Rashomon is 86 minutes. I'm a huge advocate for the 90-minute movie. I think we all are here. We've talked yep. about it on the episode before. My justification is you're not fucking better than Rashomon is. Nothing you is better than Rashomon. You don't need more to be better than. So what are you doing being longer You need than to justify Rashomon? it, yeah. Hey, like, Rashomon's 86 minutes long, so what's your excuse? <laughs> so what movie was longer than Rashomon and did not, absolutely did not need to be this year? It, it was... was Police Story 2. That is two hours long. Two hours and two minutes. And I feel like especially three-fourths of the way through there, you feel it, Not only is that it, longer man. than Rashomon, I think that's technically longer than Star Wars. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, yes. Shout out to We Hate Movies. Unnecessarily long because about, like you said, about three-quarters, maybe like a little over half of the way through the movie, we get a subplot about Jackie Chan joining a special police force and tracking the bad guys. And I, it goes on for like 25 minutes. I, feel, I was sober watching that movie. I feel like I was high because that whole sequence is such like a blur. It's like, what the, I don't, what the fuck actually yeah, happened? It twice well, it's like, it's bookended by things that thing. matter. It's bookended by him yeah. meeting a police force that like, that is part of the plot. It's, it's also it, the biggest it, drop ball, right? It's, yeah. it's like, that's supposed to be the thematic through line of that entire movie, but they really drop the ball on it yeah. and it ends up feeling like nothing. Uh, and also, maybe most egregiously, isn't Police Story 2 just straight up like 25 minutes longer than Police Story 1? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it's yeah. like, yeah. it's a lesser it's a movie. movie. It's, it's, like see, it's like seeing like stacks of Legos next to each other and you're like, these are really nice Legos. Why is there an extra one on this one? It's like, you don't need that. Just remove yeah. it, plop it out, story continues. Good movie. It's not even. It's not even a bad movie. Just you trim off no. twenty five yeah. minutes. Mm, yeah, it goes down. It's got smooth. so much fat in the middle. Yeah. It's like a ribeye. Honestly, you trim off that sequence, and it's a way better movie. Yeah, you could probably literally just like put a start and an end to Chop it, and just like yeah. cow. That's where it, yeah. that's where it goes. Yeah. Uh, do you want to introduce our next? Sure. Golden uh, the, the next golden berry uh, up for contention here is the best trial of episode. That's a little. We're just jerking ourselves. We about have the best episode. We've we talked about jerking a lot on this episode. Uh, you want to maybe dial it back, no, sir? We, we have. Bit, it, and the nominees are episode twelve, Stray Dog. Episode. Guess who put that one on there? Episode thirty, Akira. Guess who put that one on there? Episode thirty-three, The Trial on Turns Ten, a conversation with John Moret. Episode twenty-five, Police Story. Episode forty-two, Hausu, our twenty nineteen recording. And episode 43, Greetin' and Tweetin', a conversation with Benjamin Savard, volunteer at the Trilon. Yeah. What is our case for the Trilon Turns 10? Clearly it's because it's the most important person we've talked to on this podcast. And because it's given us the most insight into how the Trilon works, why it exists. It's fine that there's a vacuum in the back. I don't mind that. Yeah. I'm not mad about it We're at all. rolling. We're rolling. We're rolling, rolling. Like uh, John Moret is an incredible uh interviewee we just sort of put a mic in front of him and he went um and ended up elevating our entire deal in the process that episode felt like a dream our i'm episode, not convinced yeah. it was real our episodes have gotten a lot better since i think he was on because we've like gotten better about right. prioritizing what we want oh, to talk we gotta about do, put some work into these now jesus we got exactly the guys. Except this one. we're just kind of letting this run yeah it's uh, actually okay. actually interfacing with any anybody affiliated with the trilon was like way beyond the scope of our wildest dreams with this podcast, right? And it happened like way faster than we ever could have even imagined. Well, we never imagined it happening at all. Right. So for them to, to uh, reach out and um, make that happen yeah, with that us connection to be made. Was, uh, was a dream it's come a dream. true. And, uh, and we'll keep working our way up. Barry, we're coming for you. <laughs> uh, 
episode 43, Greeting and Tweeting Be- with Benjamin Savard. I was pleased that yeah. Ben is actually, like, very down-to-earth, approachable, yeah. easy to talk to, and has good things well, to say about movies. A lot of people movies. get ruined by fame. You know, you become a volunteer at a place like the Trialon. You let it go to your head. You start yeah. taking no shit from anybody. Uh, ben did a really great job of articulating the um, sort of state thesis statement of the Trilon, mm-hmm. um, where he talked about how the Trilon is a place where people of a lot of different artistic uh, and critical sensibilities can come together and where all of those critical sensibilities are valued equally and um, uplifted, um, which is sort of what we're trying to do here, uh, which you might not get that impression because we're all white dudes of similar critical and intellectual backgrounds, socioeconomic (laughs) backgrounds, but the Trilon is much better at that than we are. Um, And he made the great point that he's learned a whole lot about who he is and what he values, and also he, he's learned to appreciate other people a lot better by having conversations about the art that they show at the Trilon, and that's sort of what it's all about, right? Like, art is a means of, of interfacing with and empathizing with other people better, and right. the Trilon is a great instrument for making that happen. And he kind of uh, talked to us up a, li- up a little bit, talking about how we also pursue that same interest, like that same purpose of... of I'm just going to talk Again, about us for a little bit. Again, because we're all dudes and right. white dudes. Um, and, our case yeah. for Police Story being our favorite me, episode. I, a little bit of this is me kind of blending Police Story and Police Story me. too, but I do think Police Story was maybe a better episode. Um, that was one of the first movies we talked about where we got to talk about, um, like, I think that was the first martial arts. No, we talked about The Raid. Uh, Police Story is a better movie than The Raid, though, and Ooh, I think we had yes. a more enjoyable time talking about <laughs> it. <laughs> it was yes. nice just to just, like just nerd out about this complete sensory experience. And we dug a little bit into the take minds for that one, I think. But a lot of that was just talking about our love for just visually what that movie was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the just some of the fight scenes in that were so amazing. And Yeah, I think I said it on the episode, uh, and I'd say it again here. If I had to choose one genre of movie to watch for the rest of my life, it would probably just be Hong Kong kung fu movies. Yeah. Um, in the woods, just me and a TV. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, that was the first episode I actually listened to um, because I was really. I think that may have been my first that wow. I. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's weird, right? Because like there was something about that one. It was like looser. It was a little bit more fun. That made yeah. it more accessible to us. I'm des- deeply afraid of my own voice, uh, and listening to myself was a hard proposition. Uh, but I'm glad I did because uh, I like that episode. That's a really fun episode. It's also almost exactly. Ha- Halfway between the starting point and this episode you're listening to, which is great. Wow. Makes you think. Uh, Stray Dog, we talked about how much about how we like that movie. I talked a little bit at the top about how um, that movie has given me gave me a lot of like new ways to look at movies. Um, and talking about it with uh, my friends was formative, I think, for how I perceived not only a lot of the Japanese cinema that we ended up watching and a lot of the Asian cinema that we ended up follow- or watching, uh, but like Harry was joking about, we talk a, like he and I talked a lot about World War II <laughs> over the course of this year in movies, but it's because movies like Stray Dog um, either so immediately uh, process and talk about how to process uh, the trauma of war, or later on, like Haosu or Akira, after it's after it's had time to settle, after the dust has settled, after things have gotten comfortable and calm, how to bring back up those memories, how to confront those ideas. Um, that's why I love that episode. Uh, it's funny you you mentioned that because, like, again, speaking of how special the Trilon is, like, I think that those thematic through lines are 
in part intentional, um, particularly on the part of, of John, the film programmer. You can almost feel him winking, right? Where, like, after we watched Stray Dog and Akira and Haosu, it was like, do I want to go back to school and write a thesis about the way that <laughs> Japanese like cinema was processing World War Two. Like, there's so much going on there. It's such a rich vein to tap into. Obviously, we're not the right people to do so. Right. Um, but, but it, it feels good to do it. Deeply on a, enriching yeah. to, to do that and to, to see that and to be given that filmic vocabulary to view those events and, and tragedies through. Is it is it fair to call that our discussion of uh, Haosu and Akira? Yeah. Is, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how much oh. more we need to say. Oh, about yeah, Hosu we have Hosu and Akira on here as well. Uh, well, we, we just sort of laid it out, right? Sure. Is that yeah. They are exemplary of, uh, the, of we, that. The Hosu episode specifically is. Uh, oh, yeah. If you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. It is a. Uh, you do not need any prior knowledge of our show. Uh, yeah, I think I'll frame it as it was a unique opportunity to revisit uh, a film that we had all seen previously and we had all seen at trial and, and recorded uh, an episode on previously. Uh, it was released, I think, technically in 2019, but y'all recorded it in 2018. Um, and that and Haosu is a trial on staple. Uh, so whether or not we get the chance uh, to go back and if we feel like recording, uh, you know, subsequent conversations about it, you know, maybe that's something we explore. Uh, but yeah, that episode gave us uh, the opportunity to do things that we never tried with the podcast before, and that was so we much try fun. Things that no one has ever tried before with yeah. the podcast. House. <laughs> also, it has maybe the best bit. Hey, we're, we're and... coming back to that. Don't worry. Okay. We'll talk uh, about it in a bit. And then finally, Akira. I got to talk about anime for an hour and 45 minutes Fuck with my yeah. friends. That's all I need. Yeah, that, that's Golden been the dream ever babies. since I was five years old. Uh, Please play more anime, Trilon. So, Please. So which episode we do? So I, I, got, I know that we discussed it. I've come around. I think it's got to be the John episode. I said <laughs> yeah, that. No, I said that be the John episode. I said it at the time. Correct. It's not just like <laughs> Sorry, my favorite ben. conversation. It's not my favorite <laughs> Sorry, episode. Ben. It's my favorite thing I've gotten to do with this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Like, we've talked with some people. We've really generated some great, interesting conversations. We've opened up our cinematic vocabulary. But we got to talk to, like, somebody who's doing this. The person, one of the people who's forming this like creating these experiences for us it's like talking to god it's just you can't deny Jesus, that it's the most dude. fun thing that we did yeah, I, yeah me, man i wouldn't frame it's it that way but far away it's like one of two episodes that actually matter it's like opening the holy text <laughs> as, as jason would describe it. it's just uh, like it's that it's like and ben Sapard and, and john i'm sorry ben he outranks you <laughs> that's the way it is i think you'd understand uh, the power structure yeah bet? okay and our and our fun in- intermediate uh <laughs> category is golden berries the best food smuggled into the trilogue Everybody's looking at me because nobody's thought you're the only this one who bit. Left this. Right, here's the thing: I smuggled in so much fucking peace coffee over the last year into the trilon. Uh, one coffee is the best food to consume while watching a movie. Fuck popcorn. Yes. Fuck you if you think mm. it's better. It's not better, but it it's is better. It is coffee necessary. is great. It stimulates your mind. You think more about what's happening on screen. Jason falls asleep at fifty percent of the movies that he watches, and if he had more coffee, he wouldn't do it. All right. So peace coffee, great for that matter. Not only that. I don't know if I'm snitching right now, but uh, we were doing a twofer, two in a row, one movie and then the other movie, and before the first movie, I thought, I'm getting a little tired. Uh, I would like to bring in Peace Coffee into the Trilon. So I emailed at Trilon.org, whatever the info was. I said, hey, do you all mind if I bring in Peace Coffee? Turned on my phone in between the movies after the first performance. Got an email back from fucking Barry saying, yeah, we don't give a shit. So I went and got coffee and came <laughs> That's back. That's not what it's Barry great. said. No, he said, yeah, we don't mind about that at all. And they didn't. Every time I walk past carrying peace coffee, they're like, 
Hey, thanks for supporting. I think that's coffee. undisputed. I think it's undisputed that coffee is the number one thing that yes. we got away with bringing into Trilon, even though it was always okay to There's a part it. of me that wants the Trilon to sell coffee, but there's a part of me knowing they're connected to a coffee shop. They, it's like, I'm just going to go they, get some peace coffee. They sold it at the up all night. They now sell canned coffee, I believe. Oh. They do. Is it boss? They do. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, well, fuck Peace Coffee boss then. Boss Coffee. Boss all the way. More coffee. Uh, uh, no, Tommy yeah, Lee coffee. Jones. I would recommend everybody sneak coffee into every single movie they go to. It's a delightful experience. You know what? Coffee, watching a movie. I do. It's yeah. hard, but I do. Yeah. Uh, our next berries. category. Scroll down. The, our next category for the. Golden Bear. Please scroll down before you God, do I'm this. trying to get a clean one. Shut up. Uh, is Best Series. The Trilon programs them, a lot of their movies around monthly and bi-monthly series of films. Uh, the first one that was of super important note in this year was the Akira Kurosawa and Toshiro Mifune series, which of course was just movies united by the director and the actor. Affectionately called the hashtag Kurosawa Watch. It was by our us. Fir- Not by, by Trilon, by It us. was our first attempt to brand, and I think it worked. It went swimmingly. We got like 30 We technically established Love a brand. Love to brand. So yeah. Hell yeah, Love baby. Brand, baby. That, that was grind. in February. We have Reaganland from April, which was one of the big conversation topics on our episode with John about yeah. how we put that one together. Uh, John also wrote an essay about Reaganland 1980s Should we, should we get through the nominees before sure. we... I want, I want that to be our reasoning for yep. having it be a nominee. Uh, we have Up All Night, which was a one-night event that Harry went to. Uh, where it was I went five, to that, too. You also went to that? He did so, not. Oh, you up, went to the ten year anniversary. Oh, I thought we'd done the ten year anniversary. Nope, you up prefer- all night. Wait, I was the year? only loser that went to that. Should one. we put the ten year anniversary? Ten year anniversary is also. Did you like nope. up all night better? Up all night is a much better slate of films. Sorry, okay. everybody. Oh, then, yeah, that's okay. fine then. Okay, <laughs> we have the up all night slate uh, in November, and we have general volunteer programming, which kind of feels like a cop out, but it's absolutely true because some of the coolest. I mean, Cure was a volunteer programming. The Trilon allows on Thursdays allows its volunteers to pick movies that it will then screen. Uh, I don't think it's question. No questions asked, but I do believe that it is. Um, I'm running to the bathroom. Keep talking, man. What? You don't have to do that. I would have gone to the bathroom, been back by the time the mouthpiece was done. Just wanna stay up all night with you. I just got that Beck song stuck in my head. Uh, yeah, the up all night uh, was a great experience. Yep. Uh, my personal favorite movie that we saw at the Trilon this year was uh, was there. Was there? Yep. Before sunrise. Um, they also played. Uh, we got the we got the slate of them right here. Yeah. We've got, um, do, do, do. So we've got, where'd it go, where'd it go, where'd it go, where'd it go? Uh, okay, so we got, um, uh, the movies that played, there were, uh, Key Largo on DCP, The Warriors on 35mm, which I imagine was incredible. Phenomenal. Uh, Before Sunrise on DCP, Miracle Mile, 35mm, and After Our, After Hours, excuse me, on DCP. I've only seen The Warriors and Before Sunrise. They're both great. Uh, I love them both. Yeah. Um, I don't actually remember if, which ones were 35 and which ones were DCP. I, that was my best guess. Sorry, John, if I got any of those wrong. He also played some really good interstitials between them. Uh, he played the original Duck and Cover cartoon before Miracle Mile. He yeah. played like a Swedish uh, train documentary but, uh, before um, before Sunrise. Um, it was great. It was. John I can't recommend had, it highly like enough. Like an all-night Trilon slumber party makes me think, like, I bet he devolves like Willy Wonka in that fucking tunnel. Uh, in the boat, exactly. I, uh, both he and Barry were there for all, like all of it, Man, which was awesome. Real ones, yeah. Um, so we're on to best series. Did you? Yep. Do, yeah. Oh all yeah. Of yep. Those. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, so and we just talked about up all night. Um, uh, please read the. Yeah, I'm gonna. Spoiler alert! This is the one I'm gonna advocate for. <laughs> 
uh, as the best um, because I was beside myself to see these. Uh, Raggedland 1980s dystopia consisted of Blade Runner, the final cut on DCP, 1984 on 35mm, which we all saw and recorded an episode about, and that episode will never come to light. Um, apologies. I like that episode a whole lot, but there were a whole lot of reasons why we didn't do it. Dead in the water. Um, the Repo Man on 35mm, that's uh, our first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, did we ever release it? We didn't release we did that not. episode. Uh, um, video Drum on 35mm, we did do an episode on that. With Nick Ransbottom. With Nick yep. Ransbottom. Shout, Shout out to Nick, one of our great guests. Um, the Terminator on DCP, They Live on 35 Brazil on 35 Akira on DCP, The Brother the brother from Another Planet on 35 and The Hidden on 35 um, an incredible slate of films. That was every movie that played in April. Um, John Moret, the Trilon programmer, wrote a great essay about Reaganland 1980s dystopia, and here it goes. <laughs> um, does anybody else want to read it? I feel like my voice is Would you lot. like me to read it? Your voice is better than mine. I'll read That's it. That's a good voice. I'll read it. Or we could do, <clears throat> pop- or we could do popcorn. You I'll do read popcorn? it. Oh, Jason's got it. He's still got Redman's sick voice, so he's going to sound extra sultry. The second half of the 20th century... The second half of the 20th century was formed by the suffocating destruction of the first. Global industrialization and the splitting of the atom were spurred on by the most catastrophic wars in human history, leaving in their wake a world paralyzed by its ability to destroy itself. Fractured in two major world powers, constantly jockeying for position, Americans sought peace of mind. Though a misplaced nostalgia for the 1980s is at its peak, it's worth noting that it was a dark and regressive political landscape. For farmers in the Midwest, a hellscape of low food costs combined with rampant inflation led to thousands of bankruptcies and lost family farms. Still reeling from the humiliations of the Vietnam War and Watergate, people searched for scapegoats. Militias were on the rise and kids hid under their desks as presidents pl- president played brinkmanship with the Soviet Union. All the while, the cocaine-fueled Wall Street rejoiced, a cocaine-fueled Wall Street rejoiced as massive deregulation led to the loss of consumer protections an unsustainable destruction of the environment and ever-increasing takeovers of conglomerate corporations. Four years after taking office, Ronald Reagan declared, It's morning in America again. God, what a fucking bastard. Replacing the thoughtful cynical... Ron Hill. <clears throat> Trickle down these nuts, Reagan. <laughs> That's on the paper. Why did you... Replacing the thoughtful, cynical filmmaker of the 1970s, the mainstream cinema of the 1980s was all technicolor flash and predictability. Superhero franchises and Star Wars sequels. <laughs> you mean 2019? <laughs> Marty Keep McFly, going, Indiana Jones, and John McClane made for easily digestible popcorn flicks. Meanwhile, an undercurrent of filmmakers were presenting a different kind of narrative. Horror and science fiction, mostly. Made up of dark, corporate-controlled futures, tyrannical governments, subliminal subversion, and slavery. In Regenland, a 1980s dystopia, the, bl- the landscape is black as pitch, dark alleys, overblown, overblown neon, and the decimation of our humanity. The series of films as a whole highlights the mentality and anxiety of the time. John Moret, Trilon Film Program. So yeah, um, if we haven't convinced you to go to the Trilon yet, maybe that does. Yeah. Uh, That's the guy in charge me. of picking and making sure that a lot yeah. of the movies are played. I mean, you know, I think, especially with the, the Kurosawa films, I think there's something to be said about, uh, you know, watching films from one director, kind of learning in that manner. I think there's something very impressive about choosing, uh, you know, kind of a separate just collection of films here that all kind of drive towards one greater point. And I think this... Selection of films does it really fucking well. The creation of this theme was is genius. Like it's a genius slate of films. The Especially in twenty nineteen, which is 
pretty clearly why he did it, right? Yep. I mean, like these are these are uh, themes that are more resonant than ever in our current political. Um, and ideological landscape. And there are also a number of films here that I think have been given kind of a critical reappraisal or even maybe had the correct appraisal uh, when they first came out, but are generally considered more uh, kind of, you know, there's a lot of action flicks on here, right? Like there's The Terminator, there's uh, They Live, there's uh, The Hidden, which is something we got into a bit of an argument about. But we did have, a, I think, a great discussion about kind of the... We did, we did. uh, Kind of white male uh, power fantasy that that movie is kind of uh, right. uh, yeah, taking a look at. Um, Kyle McLaughlin is my white male fantasy. Yeah, same, man. Yeah. Right? That is certainly not hidden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, we should... Uh, we should move... We Should we Should we pick? Um, it's Reigenland, right? I, I, oh. That or Kurosawa the, Watch. Yeah. The Kurosawa, the Kurosawa Watch is watch amazing. In terms of, like, getting this podcast going and making sure that we were, like, really focused. Yeah. I gotta say, like, oh, the volunteer man. programming is something that yeah. I don't think I get at any other theater. It well, seems distinctly, pure, uniquely trial. Yeah, the thing. And there were some of, really balls-to-the-wall yeah. good movies. I would vote volunteer programming, but I could be swayed. I think that's a sentimental uh, vote. I would go right from <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Let's, uh... If the criterion is good arrangements of good movies... Yeah, um, the volunteer programming, they wrote a little very sweet note about it. The Triline would not exist without its volunteers. Now to help celebrate our 10th anniversary, we're saying thanks by letting them choose the the films they've long wanted us to show. Uh, Screenings will be every other Thursday through May 2020. This activity is made possible by the voters of Minnesota through grants from the Minnesota State Arts Board and the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council thanks to a legislative appropriation from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Um, So, so far... As of this year, they've played Cure on 35, Hackers on DCP, Writing Wrongs, a.k.a. Above the Law. I love a movie that has two kick-ass fucking titles. <laughs> yeah, an AKA uh, yeah. A 35 a. millimeter. that's a great movie. Um, the Thing on 35, Xanadu on DCP, Love and Basketball on DCP, Buffalo 66 on DCP, and Paris, Texas on DCP this coming yeah. Thursday. Yee-hee. Dating this podcast unnecessarily. Thank you for that, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> Those are all uh, amazing picks. So I should also say, uh, maybe I don't mean to, to put my finger on the scale at the last minute here. Every single one of the Kurosawas was on thirty-five, I, which is unreal. Ooh, I have <laughs> changed my vote formally to the Kurosawa watch. I mean, the Kurosawa watch. Yeah, I think that it's kind of that in Reaganland for me because the Kurosawa watch. It's it's you know you could knock out almost all of his best regarded movies. Uh, not all of them. I mean. There's Ikiru, uh, High and Low. But even like Yojimbo was shown at the very end of 2018, which obviously doesn't count for what we're talking about here. But um, But it kind of does. It kind of does. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know how I'm feeling, but I would go for that or Reagan Lane. There's something to be said for learning from one director and also from aggregating films. One Kurosawa watch, two Kurosawa watch, three Kurosawa watch. I could go Reagan Lane. Uh, I will formally submit my vote for Reaganland. Uh, but uh, Kurosawa Watch means a hell of a lot to me. Um, are we in gridlock? Don't get it twisted. Wait, are you voting? Are you voting? Uh, Reaganland? Do it. Do I'm it. trying okay, to think. Okay, Mr. What, Mr. You know what? I'm going Kurosawa Watch. One to move on to because fucking Redbeard. Let's go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank God. 
Okay, and that was uh, that no, was one of our mini bits. To honor uh, Kurosawa, no, we do have a mini bit, which is uh, Harry would like to present yeah. the best movie. Oh, in best thirty-five millimeter. millimeter. I, Seven Samurai. We already talked about it uh, earlier, but like to see that movie in thirty-five millimeter is an unbelievable it's museum. It's historic. It's an honor. It's unbe- Yeah, it is legitimately it's an, honor. an honor, which is wild but true. And uh, it can happen in Minneapolis. It can maybe happen in New York. It can maybe happen in California. That's about it. Chicago. No excuses, New York. Y- yeah. <laughs> Uh, coming for you, Big Apple. And here is Big Easy. We're the Big Cherry. Do we want to do best guest moment before best picture? Do you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think we it. should. All right, best guest moment. This is when somebody who's not normally affiliated with the podcast makes an appearance. Not yeah. necessarily Listen, in person. We love all of our guests a whole bunch, right? The same, actually. We love them all the same. Yes. This is not to say Except one, for Nick person, Grossman. one person being better than another. This is segmenting off a specific... A specific the fuck moment. What you say about me, Ethel? A specific moment. That is my favorite Nick Grossman appearance on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you, good sir. Don't don't be mean. What if we put a featuring Nick Grossman at the end of this? <laughs> no, that's not no. The but, uh, uh, it's a moment that exemplified why we have guests on the show. Voices that we wanted to highlight. Yeah. People who said or did things. That were worthy of praise. I, I this may we have one nominee. <laughs> this may be this may be just like actually the best thing on this entire fucking podcast, except for maybe the John Moret interview, uh, and that was uh, friend of the pod Kyle Olson doing his Detective Olson Detective bit from Kyle uh, from the Houseu Halloween episode. Uh, I when I heard we were going to do that, I was like a little like, oh, that's kind of a long script and. It's pretty funny, but like, is he going to be able to sell it? And then I listened to it, and I was like, ah, yeah, yeah I sold it. Unmitigated. Yeah. If you have not part. listened to it, uh, listen to it. We'll it's play great. It, we'll play it for you right now. Detective Olson, case number 13689. It's 1.30 in the morning. Just got back from the scene up on 9th Street. Small room on the top floor in a big office building downtown. Looks like a recording booth. My opinion? It ain't no garage, and uh, they ain't no Marin. Not anymore, anyway. But this shit would make even CSI go WTF. So Vic One found dismembered with their pieces sort of stuffed into, uh, get a load of this, a baby grand. A baby grand piano. Some German brand. Beckstein? 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 Anyway. How the fuck do you get a 900-pound piano up two separate elevators to the 41st floor without anyone seeing you? Victim 2. I don't know. Maybe it's victim 2 and 3. Anyway, there's a body here with two heads sort of fused together. And get this. Twins. Lab says skin cells from one of the heads on that thing is a perfect match for the head and the piano. Does that make it triplets? Vic, uh, 3? 4? That lucky motherfucker. Dead quicker than you can say boo with a big X cut into the neck. Almost ear to ear. Whoever got that poor soul nicked both the jugular and the cauterid. Must have been jacked to get that deep and that clean. Then there's the bananas. Just a bunch of fucking bananas sitting in a chair. Then, across the street, on top of the parking ramp on 8th and 3rd, there's another body. This guy's got a few air holes, presumably made by a Sig Sauer left at the scene. Not sure yet where this fix fits into the 9th Street scene, but the lab confirms there are five voices on the recording. Podcasts. Everybody's got one. Now, wasn't that great? Yeah, that's so fucking good. Still good. Still funny. 
Still Aye. killing it. Thank you, Kyle. Thank um, you, Kyle. We will put in right here... Emily Soy, Nick Grossman, Charlie Mackin, Eric Neistel, Nick Ransbottom, Nabil Azuzi, Eric Leith, Seth Zarati, Ben Hansen, John Carson, Kyle Olson, John Moret, Ben Savard, Dan Nagan, Griffin Filipich, Matt Yost, and Jenny Ackerson. That was the list of all of our guests. Thank you so much. We love you all very much. And now we're going to do something else. Jason is writing that down. He wasn't Just, expecting I'm, I'm taking that. my timestamp. You didn't prepare me for that. And we have, for our final category of the evening, or whenever you're listening to this, Golden Berries. Thank God. I know you wanted a clean cup. We have the Try Love Best Picture nominees. We have Seven Samurai, directed by Akira Kurosawa. We have Stray Dog, directed by Akira Kurosawa. We have Cure, directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa. No relation. Red, Red Beard, directed by Akira you guessed Kurosawa. It. We have Police Story, directed by uh, <laughs> Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. Why did you do this? Jakira Kurosawa. We have Haosu, directed by Nobuhiko Obayashi. I'm so sorry. We have Alien, directed by Ridley Scott. We have Martin Fink, directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. We have Akira, directed by Katsuhiro Otomo. We have McCabe and Mrs. Miller, directed by Robert Altman. You got all those without, without looking at a list. That's a very impressive. I mean, he had his phone pulled up. No, but not with the oh, directors wow. on Holy there. Shit. Yeah, not, not the directors. Four yeah, right out of the ten nominees here are Kurosawa's. <laughs> yeah. He's a good director. Yeah. He's and, a good and director. And the other one, yeah. Uh, do we need to make a case for any of the movies that we've already made, or should we just... Should we, should we, we say something shopping. nice and let's get the fuck out of here? Sure. Let's, uh, are we going to do that? Are we going to process of elimination these and, and like defend them what as they the, go down? What is the first one that goes? How's uh, pro- Whoa. Probably whoa. McCabe. Yeah, probably, probably McCabe. McCabe. Okay. McCabe is first to go. McCabe's on the chopping block. I love you, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I wasn't, Plus I he died McCabe, McCabe, so yeah, why not? This makes okay. it easier for me. McCabe is dead. Uh, I will say that Long there are certain films. Oh, God. This is something to talk about. No, there's... Especially when we think about the reason you go to the Trilon, there are certain films that I'm happy that I saw at the Trilon. Uh, I'm happy I saw Akira. I'm happy I saw Alien. I'm happy I saw even Seven, Seven Samurai, despite the 35mm uh, showing. Um, but those are all films that I have watched, have appreciated in other contexts that are not specific to the Trilon for me. Um, there are certain films here, uh, Cure, uh, Redbeard, uh, even kind of, you know, like Barton Fink, that... that I gained a greater appreciation uh, through watching them at the Trilon. Um, you know, I think Akira, Alien, Seven Samurai, I think their their place in kind of uh, uh, film culture is so cemented and that a theater like the Trilon can show me films that I wasn't aware of and that's kind of what I value more. Um, so this is a bit of an amalgam of the dry run vibe and the importance of the movie. A little bit, like yeah. you know, I think there's something specifically with like Seven Samurai, maybe, but like Akira and Alien, like Alien, maybe even because of the the Disney Fox merger. Um, but you know, does Akira need you need to see Akira at the Trilon? I I did. Yeah, it was a good time. I've seen it at the Uptown Theater at a midnight uh, show. So what's the next too. to go? I, I will say that that. Um, for me, anyway, a pretty big consideration for these is 35 versus DCP. Really? Sorry, I love watching DCP mm-hmm. movies. I I don't begrudge the Trilon showing DCP movies whatsoever, but uh, I I go to the Trilon to see 35, right? Like, it's if you're going to go to a movie to see a film, you want to see it on film. Yeah. And so that, like, I think that this would be a very different discussion if Alien was on 35 and if Akira were on 35. Definitely. But the fact that they're both DCP really edges them out for me hmm. out of this conversation. I, I agree with that. Legitimate. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what is the next to go then? Is it one of Alien or Akira or both? Take both of them. It's both of them. I love Akira and Alien. I love both of those movies very much. Not such a perfect organism after all, huh? Nice. Uh, if we want to keep going, uh, we talked yes. about those and movies for like two hours apiece. So <laughs> yeah. you can always check <laughs> right. those out. True. Uh, spoilers. We think pretty highly of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, in my mind, you know, this is best picture. Uh, in my mind, Redbeard is the third best Akira Kurosawa on this list. No. Uh, Ooh, you got a point. Um, He's, the man's not wrong. Sorry, Aaron. I. It's it's dead. I know. Oh, don't you get into that? Let me, this let me defend. Yeah. Am I not defending? Do it. Go. Uh, I'll say this. I'll say that you know. Just I think Harry uh, has maybe a point about this movie. I don't think I agree with him at all. Maybe, um, <laughs> but but Redbeard t- to me, you know, we watched this what probably in February. Um, yeah. To me, I think especially the kind of time and place for that. That was right when the election. Uh, was kind of just just the lead up to the election was just getting started, uh, and a lot of the national conversations that happen constantly, uh, but nevertheless were ramping up anyway. Uh, were kind of getting into a, uh, a certainly hitting a volume that they they usually don't. Uh, a lot of the discussions around healthcare, around how the society treats uh, poor people, uh, people who are oppressed, and kind of had the the boot of society just kind of crushing down on them. Um, every day, and Redbeard to me was a uh, deeply, uh, it's a film with a lot of empathy um, that kind of regards those people uh, as people that still need to be taken care of, uh, and you know, I think I connected with a lot in that film. Uh, Again, I think there's moments of that, uh, quite a lot of moments of that actually in films like Seven Samurai, Um, but I think And Stray Dog. And Stray Dog. I I was One might argue that those movies do those themes better. (laughs) Uh, I think that Kurosawa (laughs) setting a movie in a hospital and having it be a slower film that meditates on a lot of those themes kind of even more uh, in-depth, that was something that I connected with. It's going to go next. I think Uh, it's a lovely movie. I think it's a lovely movie. uh, Redbeard is a phenomenal movie that everyone should see. Correct. We, yeah. no, nobody's trashing it. There can be only one. Can we remove Police Story and Haosu first? I mean... No. Haosu is a genuine contender. I think that Haosu is a genuine contender. You're smoking. Because it is the most Trilon movie. It, it is. It, it is It is taken out of contention for me because they play it every year. It wasn't yeah, part, yeah, it yeah, wasn't a part it of the It is also themes. the most put, midnight movie I put of this pol- list. I put you know Police, I mean? police no. Story on this list because I love Police Story, but I understand it's not the winner. I like uh, Police Story a lot, uh, I do but too. yeah, it's yeah. not. It, again, okay, I'll take Redbeard off, you take Police Story. Okay, I did. Okay. Uh, are we removing Haosu? Compromise. Yes, Haosu is gone. Haosu is a masterpiece. It is not an yeah. ironic masterpiece. It is, it is just a masterpiece. Yes. Everyone should see it. Correct. Uh, Correct. Hey, hey, hey. Stop hey, hey, No, Jason let's... is just highlighting shit here that he He's wants just to starting to. Next. Stop that. I think that, that this is, might be the first time ever that you might have to. Uh, Contend with the union of Grossman Mackin. Whoa. We, we've never Wait, agreed not before. Okay, I so think we both fucking love Barton Fink. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, dude. Our try Fink. love movie I of the year. I see you highlighting Barton it right Fink. now, fucker. Take that off. Click somewhere else it's on the screen. It's gonna stay there. The gun is loaded. Click and somewhere it's pointed. else on the screen. I think it, it might, be the, it might be the next one to fall. Uh, stray Dog's the next one to fall. Let's stray go. Dog to stray Dog. Let's go. Get up there. Yeah, we're sh- we're shooting it just like a stray dog. You happy you're moving it? No. no. Uh, Straight on. I'm going to cut it. Therefore, I have it in my hand. What, what is the what is the case? I guess I think against it. Straight dog. The case for maybe yeah, for sure. straight dog is. I think straight dog is. Um, it's like one of Kurosawa's earliest films. It might be a sophomore film. I don't think it is, but it's Toshiro Mifune's sophomore film. It's a distillation 
it, it's it's an early raw and wild mm-hmm. distillation of the themes that would come to define Kurosawa's later work um, without a lot of our, with uh, it doesn't have the master's touch it doesn't yet. and he himself thought that he was unduly harsh on this movie but what it lacks in the quote unquote master's touch like you said it's almost the inverse of Redbeard where Redbeard is a little bit too much craft and a little bit too little message for me mm-hmm. um Stray Dog is all craft and all message and it's all heart and all guts oh, and ass. Uh, all ass. The, the 15 <laughs> minutes into the movie, there's a 20-minute sequence of just Toshiro Mefuni walking through Tokyo and meeting people as a, a beggar, basically. It's, it's pure cinema empathy. Uh, and, like, one of my favorite movies that we saw this year, for sure. Also, Toshiro Mefuni is stunningly attractive in this movie. Fucking he has a white god. suit on the whole time. Oh, my God. Uh, it's a great, he puts on it's a great rags set and he looks movie. Better. It takes place in the hottest uh, time in, like, Tokyo history, right after World War II. It involves a, a, um, an American soldier who's having trouble acclimating back into society. It has a lot to say about uh, the, the position that Tokyo and Japan were after World War II. Uh, it's a masterpiece. Incredible movie, but unfortunately not Trilon movie. Try love yeah. movie of the year. Uh, we are down to seven samurai, Kira and Barton Fink. I will. Well, y- y- a Kurosawa. A Kurosawa. I was going to say was golden berries. Oh, <laughs> you say it. Golden berries. Uh, so I think everybody is probably aiming for Barton Fink to be the next to go. I will defend it. I will say that I think it should come down to that and Cure. Uh, this may not. Uh, this may not resonate with some in the audience. Um, I think Barton Fink, as uh, a film in the Coen Brothers series, is kind of secretly the film that holds together uh, the rest of the Coen Brothers uh, filmography. I think we um, we said like it's their actually their most personal film. It's their yeah, it's their most personal, but it is also a movie about the value of interiority. Uh, uh, directorial interiority, right? Uh, I think a lot of the things that people criticize the Coen brothers for... Um, it's like it's a movie about movies, yeah. you know? It's Writing their most self-effacing. It's their most... Um, maybe their most cynical. Sure. Almost their most nihilistic. It is also maybe their... Uh, a serious man, maybe. But it's also their, also one of the movies, maybe their other movie other than A Serious Man that really takes a look at uh, Jewish identity in the United States, uh, specifically... Uh, Jewish identity during World War II and the idea of like this kind of Jewish guilt, uh, Western Jewish guilt specifically. Um, it, there's a lot of like really deep subtext underneath this movie. Um, and again, I think the themes of this kind of tie together the Coen Brothers ensemble uh, in a way that it's not, again, this is a movie, Seven Samurai is a, an appreciated movie. It's great to see it on 35. Barton Fink is a movie that watching it in this kind of setting helped inform how I, I view the rest of the Coen I, Brothers I films. I think you're right about this. I do not think that it's movie of the year. No, certainly not. I love... I think it's I maybe love, the second. I love, it is certainly not. <laughs> I love Barton Fink. Love Barton Fink. Uh, but in my mind, you got to get Birdman off this list. I'm striking it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's also, if I can be pretentious for a minute, uh, you know, like Jason and I are aspirational uh, wannabe writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, maybe, it's maybe the most owning of writers movie ever. <laughs> uh, That's why it's good. It, it's my a co-host oh, owned. I, uh, I mean, I thought that Barton Fink was on maybe my top three Coens years before we saw it at the Trilon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I that movie is fantastic. And yep. Everybody should see it. To reiterate, we're not talking about, like, what was the best film, what was the best Trilove film. John Goodman is the life of the mind. He will show you the life of the mind. 
He you did show me the life of the mind. We're about to show you the life of the mind. Uh, so now we're down to seven samurai and cure two Kurosawa. Cool. This is going to be tough, man. This is tough. I don't think it's tough for me. I don't think it's tough for me either. I'm going cure. I'm going cure. I'm going cure because I'm going seven samurai. Should we, uh, we talk about? I am also going seven samurai. Oh my god! No, we can't be in a group. Let's line. go. How about there is no, the, the 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 dry love movie of the year? No. the friends we made along we the way. T- no, we got to talk about it. Okay, so here's why cure. It's not high minded. Yeah. It is my move. My oh, try love movie of the year because it fulfills all the criteria of saw it at the trial and didn't know anything about it beforehand. Recorded it and had a new understanding of it beyond that, despite already having liked it, and still thinking about it to this. Like I still think about parts of that movie to yeah. this day. Yeah. Where Seven Samurai, nobody can dispute that it's a classic. There's not. I mean, not nothing to think about. There's just I don't know how much more new there is to say about it. So I I don't know how. Have you heard our podcast can... on it? Sorry. All right. So we have a podcast. Here we go. This yeah. is why Seven Samurai is the movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cure is a fantastic movie. It is one manifestation of what we wanted to do with this podcast, which is see movies that we had never heard before and come away with a new understanding and appreciation of them that informed things that we learn about each other and about ourselves. The reason Samur- Seven Samurai is the best movie of the year this this year is sort of a cheat, which is that it also has the backing of every one of the Kurosawa movies that came before it. Uh, when we talk about how we've learned a lot about how to watch movies and how to uh, approach our critical perspectives, we're talking about something that the Kurosawa Watch helped teach us, which, like Aaron said, is with each passing Kurosawa movie, we learned more about who Akira Kurosawa was, what his sort of filmic, thematic, artistic sensibilities were, and how we responded to each of them in turn. All of that culminated in Seven Samurai, which was the final film shown for the Kurosawa watch on 35mm. We all saw it together. We all came away with this much deeper, more nuanced understanding by following that Artur theory through. And in in terms of like like uh, Aaron said before, the the community college class of the Trilon, like in terms of case studies, like I don't think that there was a better experience this year than those eight Kurosawa movies, and we argued about almost all of them, and we internalized almost all of them, and then it all came together for Seven Samurai. You you are you are seem, seeming to make the argument for the Seven Samurai that this is like, um, this is like the the Avengers after the the Phase One where it all comes together. <laughs> Thank you. Seven Samurai. Come on. His syllables. You are, you are. I loved watching this movie. This is probably my number three on this list. Um, I no, number four on this list. But I think you are. You say that this movie came together and it was a culmination of everything we've watched before. That's not really how it worked for me. Um, I, you know, in terms of the Kurosawa watch movies that I preferred, uh, Red Beard. But even not this year. But like Yo Jimbo uh, from 2018, uh, that was a part of this series. I want to say it's not. Okay, it was separate, but then was a month off from the series starting. Um, I had kind of a, a better and more meaningful experience watching those films as Kurosawa movies. Um, the Seven Samurai's masterpiece is probably the, air quotes, best movie on that list. Um, but Cure for me was spoke a lot more to why I go to the trial on. I changed my vote. Uh, fuck me. Right. Uh, I mean, Harry said it. 
pretty greatly. Um, yeah. Like, in my mind, it comes back to this being uh, a culmination. For me, like, Seven Samurai re- represents this year at the Tri-On for me. Uh, this episode, correct me if I'm wrong, it brought together the most people that we've ever had involved with an episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was with the exception really of maybe, here. It was yeah. With the Real exception of hot. maybe the Halloween episode. Uh, I could be wrong. Well, um, that's, yeah. In the same room, yes. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, like that. That means something. I think that. You're, I mean, you're right. You're right. I I I let my love for Cure overpower. I the might have liked Cure more as a movie. Like I may have. I've only seen. I've only seen Cure once. It I, also is. I think that the thing that. about yeah. that is the fact that Cure was made in 1995, right? So it skews a lot yeah. closer to your sort of I, sensibilities. I, mean, Redbeard, I like Redbeard better than Cure. I don't know. Also, like, just to point it out, Kurosawa was doing stuff around that time. Seven no, Samurai would be awarded. The Rashomani of Rashomani's because it's three and ten, <laughs> but it deserves it. It, 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 it earns, earns every, it earns every minute. I know it does. Some, pe- some people talk about how that romantic subplot is unearned. They're fucking wrong. No, that's great. That's a great part of that They're movie. They're all fucking wrong. Uh, yeah. Seven Samurai is one of the best movies ever made. Like yes. straight up, it is. Like some would say the best. Some would, <laughs> I, honestly, I wouldn't, but some would. Uh, yes. The the thing about Cure, sorry, I, I'm playing devil's advocate. You're right though that Cure is exactly the the alternative. Uh, if we had been doing this podcast this whole time last year, I would be leaping up and down right now uh, to proclaim Mabarossi the movie of the year uh, and Cure. Uh, and I, this is a weird conflation. They don't have anything to do with each other, so I feel bad that I'm making this point again. But Cure is this year's Mabarossi for me in that it's a Japanese movie from the 90s that I knew nothing about that became one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, that is absolutely the other half of why we go to the Trilon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it came out of nowhere. We watched it with Nick Ransbottom. Shout-outs to Nick. I think all of us were there for that episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. We came back here to this round table immediately after we watched it, and we talked about it. And it was, like, one of my favorite experiences that happened to me this year. Not even just in terms of the podcast, but, like... As a person, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it was it was invaluable to me. Uh, I think as a singular experience, I liked maybe going to that movie more than I liked going to Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai's long, uh, and uh, I think I certainly like the episode Cure more um, than I like Seven Samurai. The problem is that Seven Samurai has the strength of the Seven Samurai <laughs> behind it, uh, which is why it edges out Cure for me. Uh, yeah. Why I'm giving it my vote? I, I will say I, I see the way me. this is going. Uh, that's fine. I, I can see I the way wanna... the wind blows, just like the samurai knew which way the wind was blowing. Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah. I mean, I think part of the Thanks. whittling down a list is that you maybe get a little negative about the movie you're against. But like Seven mm-hmm. Samurai, it's like a top twenty movie. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to go against yeah. it. Um, but yeah, that last thing I'll say about Cure is I, I agree with you completely. That feeling of Watching a movie, being surprised, coming back here, and still feeling like electric. Yeah. Uh, while talking about it, it's good, but just fucking cross it out, dude. Just do it. I'll do it one letter by one letter. Golden Extra cruel. Berries. Extra cruel. You can almost spell cruel with yeah, the words in, with the letters in Q in Cure. So, what's our best picture of the year? Best picture of the year winner. Try love. Golden Berries 2019. Hey. Meridian Stanton took it again. Wow, Paris, Texas! I can't believe it! No, Congratulations to Paris, to Paris, uh, Texas! Thank you, Akira Kurosawa, for making Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai! Papa! Stop it. Stop it. Seven Samurai! Thank you very much for listening to Try Love's Golden Berries 2019. We hope you had a great time. It's been too long. Uh, yeah, it has. Uh, but we're glad if you made it all the way to through. The we're game. gonna go 
drink at the Blue We're Door. We're going to go to the... Let's shut up the fuck up and go to Blue Door. <laughs> I'm Jason. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Trilo Podcast. You can find the Trilo Cinema at Trilo Cinema. I'm Jason. I am Jason. I am Jason. You can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. Uh, I'm Cody. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I'm Harry. You can find me at Shiitake Harry. Hope we do this next year. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> uh, I, what the fuck? This was special guest. Oh, stop it. Uh, I am Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at RB Please. Cody, take us out with that tagline. We always say again, Golden Berries.